Welcome to this super fun episode of Nubs, where it's me, Chubbs, and my friend Nova. Say hi, Nova. Hi, Nova. And then my super fun girlfriend, Ashley, is also on the show. So... What is this? What is this intro? That's what this episode is. Him being a dick. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's Nubs. Ashley's on there. She's not here now. Nova's on here. We're going to have fun. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. That's what I'm told. That's that's what we're gonna have. All right. So this episode is is strictly dedicated towards uh, screenwriting, script writing, and the. Uh, Neophyte to this story is going to be Nova's script. Uh, we've, we've been teasing it. Indeed. For the entire time we've had this show. Honestly. Uh, yeah. I uh, I have taken to calling it Radeon. Okay. What What is the actual title? The actual of title, and it's a Finnish word. It's Nacelisus, I believe it, it's pronounced, but I could be completely wrong, so Finnish audience members, correct me. Um, yeah, but that was the title. It means womanhood in Finnish. That's a sick-ass title. Just because I would never... Not, like, if you walked up to me and you said, the name of this movie is... Radeon, I would be like, I'm expecting some fallout shit. But if you said womanhood, did you see womanhood? I'd be like, no, <laughs> I did not. That's kind of like, it's what if you're like, uh, God, what the hell? Uh, the Hidden Castle by Kurosawa. Wait, it's, it's really more, it's a romance story than anything else. Yeah. And it's like a deep romance story. And if you were like, there's a samurai movie called The Hidden Castle, I'd be like, fuck, I'm in. Let's go. But then if you if you were like, hey, I have a movie about an an old Japanese couple romance escaping tyranny, blah blah blah, I'd be like, I'm uh, well, maybe some other time. Yeah. So I like the title. It's to see you know what it's gonna do? Guys are gonna talk about most most guys are gonna talk about some big you see that sick ass movie where it's like radiation and shit like that, and then they're gonna talk about like cool action scenes. But you call it womanhood, you're gonna trick other people into go seeing it because you're gonna get <laughs> People like Asher or something like that that are going to be like, oh, womanhood, this sounds nice. And then they're going to go <laughs> grab it off the shelf. Well, so I think before we get into it, I think we need to contextualize it Yeah. for everyone listening. Because we've all read it. Yeah. Whoever is listening has not read it. Yeah. I hope you've read it. I wrote it. I know. <clears throat> yeah. So. But did you read it, though? Yeah. After you, after you wrote it, did you read it? <laughs> yeah. I, I okay. went back and I... Reread it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I, I fixed all the mistakes I had made. Um, pretty much. Yeah. So so here's... Um, I just noticed you have a Red Dwarf 11. Yeah. I've always had this. I, I've never noticed that before. What's the green... Po- oh. It's Starbucks. <laughs> this is why this takes four hours. <laughs> it's true. This I never is why this Snyder before. Cut episode took like three and a half hours. I have so much more to say in the Snyder Cut, too. Um, <laughs> so you know, it's a Snyder Cut Part 2 episode. I actually can go upstairs. <laughs> so Nova's script. Yeah, so what we're doing is we're going to do script writing. Um, we'll lay down maybe some light round rules, and then we'll just kind of go through story beats 
Um, you have it on, on your phone, so if you could pull it up, and then I'll try and pull it up here, too. I can pull it up as well. So. Yeah, so then what we can kind of go through piece by piece. Um, so first, write a script. Obviously, you know, you have characters' names. It's just in the middle of the thing. I mean, if, if you're listening to this, I, I'm not going to explain you how to write a script. It's You should know, but it's like characters' names lives in the middle. You don't typically write camera actions. You just write story beats, blah, blah, blah. Uh, typically, a page is equal to about a minute. How long did you say this was? About 110 pages. 110. Yeah. So it's about, it should be around 110 minutes, give or take. Maybe some pages are a little longer. Some pages are a little shorter. Yeah. But it should be around 110 minutes is the rule of thumb. Um, and then we're not going to do a table read here, but uh, actually, what it just overall without giving away too many spoilers or anything like that. I mean, we're going to spoil the shit out of it, but we will. Um, so if you're going to watch this in ten years, um, spoiler alert. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, what did what did you think of it? While I pull this up, like overall. Yeah, overall, what did you think of the script? I thought it was very original. Um, I am not good with like. I don't know. I can't say it without giving it away. I you, guess. You can I, just I, say I it. Just okay. Say it. Yeah. Um I don't like sad endings or like not happy endings. I don't even know if this is no, sad. Yeah, the ending's something I want to talk about too, but I think we can get into that. So like I was I was I was cruising along with it and then at one point I was like, "Oh my god," cuz it took quite a turn and then the end happened and I was like, "Oh. Surprise." Um, so I really liked it, but maybe not the end, but I know I'm biased towards happy endings. Like, and I get that. So. And I, I completely get that. It's a very artistic ending. And I, and I think we should talk about that too, because I have some thoughts on the ending as well. But we Myself. Probably, probably shouldn't start there. No, I don't think we no. should start with the ending. All right. Nicellus? I don't, maybe we should get text-to-speech to... Yeah, yeah, to yeah, get it. the text-to-speech. Google Translate does that. Let's... let's Let's get Google Translate up. Um, English to Finnish. And again, I, I should say I don't know Finnish. Um, the whole script is supposed to be in Finnish, but I want to learn it. You keep talking like that, I'm going to finish. Yeah. Okay. Oh, Jesus. So let's see. Okay, can you... Okay, here, here, okay. It's called you... Womanhood. Why don't you... Oh. I call it Radeon. Nice Elisus. Nice Elisus. Pretty much, yeah. Nice Elisus. Nice yeah, alright. Mm, probably is more like an... Oh, nice Elisus. Yeah, like a... Working... Like an yeah. umlauted... Uh. Sure. And working title, also. So. Yeah. Pretty good, though. Yeah. You know what else is really good? Here we go. Radeon. Right. <laughs> no. That's a banger of a name. But why finish? So, and I talked a little bit about this in our first episode. I was taking a class, it was called Philosophy and Feminism. We learned that the Finnish language is not gendered. It's not gendered at all. Like, like Spanish, French, English, German, all the Romance languages are gendered. A lot of other languages are gendered. Um, and I guess that was the inception for this idea where what if a long time from now or however, whatever, the world's like kind of ended as kind of dystopian um, and society is adopted a more non-binary, non-traditional look on what gender is and has a, like incorporated the Finnish language in as a result. 
So in like conversation, so like gender pretty much does not exist anymore. Um, and it's, we, we, you know, we come to learn that it's actually kind of censored in a way. Um, but that's, that's why I chose Finnish. And my original plan was actually to learn it first and then write an entire script in Finnish. And then I thought, well, if I'm going to be submitting this to like American filmmakers, it's got to be in English. So what's the point of doing that? I still want to learn it just so I can have a better understanding of it, but that's that's where I got the idea from, really. So, Nicelesus, or Radeon. <laughs> or Nucleon. Radeon's or Nucleon. a terrible title. Uh, I, do, I do think Radeon would not be a good title for this, because like, the yeah. would send the wrong message. Yeah, you are, yeah. Uh, Womanhood is the best title for this. Uh, Nicelesus, obviously, being in Finnish is, is the exact same thing, but... So, all spoke... There's a note that says, All spoken dialogue, while presented in English, should be spoken in Finnish language unless otherwise mentioned. So then, let's run through just uh, just top-level story beats of the first couple of pieces here. Inside, there's a church nucleon. They're in the basement. Um, there's a bunch of people that are around. You know, they're in this room. Metal helmet. There's a... Uh, there's a, you know, why don't, why don't you just say, no, let's go through the first, the first couple. The first scene is kind of a indoctrination almost, or a, what's the word? Christening? Yeah. Kind of. Baptism. Of a, of a new priest. They're called priest of Nucleon. So essentially. Nucleon. The, where that idea came from, and I kind of married them together, this Finnish idea and this nuclear idea was one of, there were a bunch of ideas that the American government came up with to let future generations know that these like waste from nuclear power plants, waste nuclear bombs, that these things are bad. Um, because m maybe future generations might not understand, might not get it. And there's two things. One, make a religion that's based completely around nuclear safety. Um, that's, that teaches people in a weird sort of nuanced way that nuclear waste, that nuclear bombs are bad. And two was to breed cats that glow when radiation is near. So people would know that something dangerous is coming because the cat would start glowing. I have one of those. Okay. I want one. All right, so... And these both kind of come up. So your, your script here is basically what would happen if this hypothetical church took over the world and became the problem. Yeah, took over the world when there's not even much world to begin with because it's assumed that there was, like, a nuclear war. Or I, I think I'm very unclear, and I'm kind of just... It doesn't really matter what happened, but what matters is, like, the now is what's happening in the movie. So, so your opening scene here, they're in the basement. They, as you said, they indoctrinate, christen, baptize a new priest person here, and then they, you know, they swear on this book of Radion. Um, and then you know they break for food, and then the title card comes up, and it's opening credits. So this is the opening part. In screenwriting terminology, it's called a stinger. Or an just an open uh, or free title open, obviously very. The the jargon dickheads use is stinger, 
everyone else just says pre-title opener because that's what it like. Why would you not just make it as simple as possible? Um, I'm trying to think. I had a really good example a moment ago, and I totally forgot about it. Of like some of the best. Um, typically, so if you write like about if, the best openings, if you're writing, yeah, just typically how you write. Like, go ahead. Finding Nemo. Yeah, yeah. So I was just saying. So if you have a horror movie or a drama movie or a murder movie, typically your stinger uh, is, you know, uh, Knives Out is uh, the woman there you know the family's talking and then the woman goes into the room and she screams and she drops the tray of, of food go ahead i was gonna say pulp fiction yeah has a really good opening too. yeah that's a that's a huge yeah that's a monumental one yeah um horror movies typically if there's a horror movie the cold open is either the monster killing someone or what created the monster so yeah. like you know dracula's is i think um the one from 1999 is like him eating somebody or something like that. Yeah, Finding Dory's. So this is your... Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo, sorry. This is your pre-credit um, uh, stinger. It's 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 good. It's strong. It shows that there's a weird priest in a cult. Uh, establishes everything that a priest... Um, Dory establishes that the mom is gone. Uh, and uh, like all his brothers and sisters are dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Reservoir Dogs establishes that there's a guys a group of guys at a coffee table. They're not friends, but they have some love of camaraderie. You don't fuck with these guys, no matter what happens. These guys, you don't piss them off. You establish your main characters and just kind of a piece of information that will be important later on, but is also key to begin the story. And I think that does that wonderfully well. And this is the point where the audience would be like, oh, so this isn't about a teenager becoming a woman. Yes. <laughs> and be like, yeah. oh, it's a cult movie. Got it. So It's, it's a lot of things, I'd say. Also, it, it uh, pre this is kind of not key, but very, very, very traditional. Pre-credit stinger, uh, uh, pre-title stinger never has the neophyte in it. The neophyte is the character that's the new person that is explain every Everybody explains everything to the neophyte so the audience knows what is happening and so it's like you're explaining to the audience so like in Mortal Kombat it's uh whatever Cole, Cole. um it's Ryan in the office um I think and it's it's worth mentioning that there are tons of rules to screenwriting but yeah I think there are more scripts that break the rules than yeah. there are scripts that yeah. follow the rules too. Yeah, so these it's are just very nuanced. It's very up in the air what you can and can't do. There's no like set. Yeah, there's no so, there's no set rules. These are just uh, what you have in your script, and then explaining them and and how they're done very well here or done not so well here. Yeah. Um, this is very nice. It does not have the main character in it. Um, it's uh, it's explains the world pretty well. You understand that there's some radiation bullshit going on. There's a cult. Um, it's before the title card, it, ex- it explains everything it needs to, it's super, done super well. So, opening credits, fade in, um, we're introduced to Nim? Nim. Nim. And then do you want to take us through just the first, like, couple of scenes with Nim? It's very, I think it's very basic, it's a lot of setup, really, it's Nim. You pretty much introduce that Nim is part of a family, um, that's not exactly like a maternal paternal family. it's not really a biological family it's more of just a dwelling that they live in with different children mm-hmm. um and it takes you through their 
just them how they go to school. It introduces you to their walk to school, their experience in school, and what that's like in this sort of world. Um, they have eleven other brothers, not eleven other siblings. Yeah. Um, that's really the introduction that you get. Is so the typical movie has a three, four, or five act structure. That is pretty. Other than something like like ludicrous, like yeah. War and Peace. Um, most films, that's one of like the three things that like most scripts do adhere to, is the three, four, or five act structure. Yeah. Um, as well as the hero's journey. Those are the two. Those are the two probably biggest ones. Like even if your hero's a villain, they're still going on the hero's journey. Because um, the hero's journey doesn't have to take place in any particular order. It's just story beats that it will always come across. So, is this? Do you think this is a three, four, or five X structure? I want to say three. Three. That's. I think I'm gonna say three. So, so this first part here is just the the first part. Each act is typically broken up into three smaller structures too. Um, so the first part of this, like you said, is just going through. The motions you're introduced to the walk, the world, the characters, people are, you know. Yeah. Nim has siblings. Nim has friends. Blah blah blah. Nim doesn't have any friends. No. Nim. No. What I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Is like you're going through the show, like the opening act of of Dory. The first part of the first act is uh, Nemo. Sorry, Nemo is like you have to say that, honey. You can't. It won't pick it up if you don't. I wasn't so, trying to say it out loud. I was trying to help you with Nemo. Make you he think just gotta say it. Okay. Nemo. Nemo is an only child. Nemo goes to school. Nemo has friends, but is really shy. Those are the things Nemo does in the first part of the first act. This is like Nemo has an overprotective father. Yeah. Nemo hasn't been to school. You're establishing the yeah. character types, and they will develop from these types. But you're establishing their types and how they will change from this at the end of their journey. Um, like I said, so you Nim's walk, Nim's people, Nim's associates, Nim's teachers, teachers, parents, uh, siblings, things of this nature. So as like, sorry, as no, like a ahead. weird aside though, this opening scene reminded me of the Blob episode from the Fairly Odd Parents, when they're all just like gray blobs that are all exactly the I, same. I don't remember this. Do you yeah, remember I this? I don't recall this at all. Oh. I'm sure I've seen it and I used to really like that show. It's like w one of the wishes is like, I wish I wasn't different or something like that. And so then every person on the planet is just oh. a gray blob. Mm. Like a, It's very like, that's what this world felt like to me. Like you're like, all of them have the same length hair and they're all wearing black suits and the world is very gray. I was like, oh. Fairly odd parents. Oh, that's an interesting. Well, yeah. Um. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good. Uh, Somebody connection. listening will get it. No, it's an interesting connection. Yeah. No, I agree. That's a very interesting connection. Yeah, it's like Terminator being a copy of a Twilight Zone episode, being a copy of an Outer Limits episode, but like apparently none of them knew the other ones existed, <laughs> yeah. even though they're like basically the same. All creative work is derivative. Yeah. And. And with the amount of creative work there is, there's going to be some overlap between things. Power is banal, chaos is a ladder. <laughs> yeah, but that's the opening thing. You get introduced to 
you also get introduced to their concept of gender. Yeah, yeah, how yeah. How there's the teacher explaining, people have penises, people have vaginas, but there's no difference. We're all human, pretty much, is what yeah. they say. It's really only for reproduction, which is what is capitalized on throughout the entire fucking thing, is that no matter what it is, we're not different. Yeah. So. So then take us through to the first major story beat. First major story beat. You know what? Take us through the the rest of the first act. Just through the the what you would consider the first act. It's really it's really the the monotony of the the days with them. It doesn't. It's really just. It's an introduction to their teachers, um, who's like who adheres to the policy and maybe who um, breaks from. It's almost a little like Donnie Darko in a way, where mm-hmm. it's like you get introduced to these different weird eccentric teachers who some of them are very strict and some of them might be more like the uh, the art professors are more like, you know, out there wacky, eccentric. Um like he has a creative writing professor who is saying, you know, speak your heart and then he has some people who are like, you know, you will say what radion and nucleon tell you to say. You will adhere by these rules. Um it's really, uh, 1984 with John Hurt. Yeah. Where they're, they're like, you know, he goes to work and then some of the people are like, here, like, you don't do exactly what Big Brother says, we're going to get you motherfucker. And then you have some of his coworkers that are like, more freewheeling and stuff like that, but then they just, they just start disappearing. Yeah, um, another thing that's really important, you learned there was a revolution, um, which brought the religion to, um, to fruition. It's, it's like, it was the revolution of Nucleon, which kind of... While the world was ending, they rose up to get something better, and maybe they didn't. What it's for you to decide. Um, it's established that there's not a lot of people left. You get introduced to. I just came up with a name for them on the spot. They're called Safety Cats. Um, my girlfriend says to not change it. I think I should. <laughs> Where they're the cats that glow when radiation is near, and there's like a breeder of them that's like considered like the scary sort of like old person that hangs out in the neighborhood with a bunch of cats. Um, so there's that. The crazy cat lady. Yeah. He, he, Nim, they hang out with their sibling River the most. Um, River has like a play, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, I'm still looking. It, it has been a while since I've read it, I'll be honest, so I just need... Go ahead. I just read it. Uh, Professor Frida is the shit. Why? <laughs> I don't know. She's pretty cool. Um, she doesn't... Nim turns in a blank piece of paper, which is hilarious because Nova just did this. You did, you did something very similar. Um, we were in class. Oh, oh the yeah. thing where I just bullshitted the entire project. Yeah. <laughs> you, like, made a list of things, and we were supposed to read our list out loud, and you had just done whatever you wanted and then made up the list. That's... One of the characters does that in this, which is so funny. And then the teacher, like, holds out her their hand. Sorry. No, don't worry. I <laughs> fucked up a lot writing this, just because it's ingrained in all of our... Oh, yeah. I noticed it. I mean... Obviously, you'd prove it before sending it anywhere, but there's a few he's and she's. Well, there's still a few? Shit. I thought I got all yeah. of them. Yeah. Um, um, so, like, the teacher holds out their hand for the piece of paper, and Nim is just like, here you go. And it's just blank. And they made up this really nice poem on the spot. 
Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Let's, so there's a scene that we touched on a bit. Yeah. And I, you said it was heavy handed. Yeah. Now it's the scene in the history class. Yeah. Um, where this professor, um, has everyone stand up and do a pledge. Yeah. To great, great God Nucleon. What did you think? Of that, Ashley. Because Derek thinks it's heavy-handed. I might agree. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but I think the Pledge of Allegiance is heavy-handed. Yeah. And we still do it every day. No. Well, not anymore now that we're in college. Well, we don't. No, it's like 75% of public schools don't do that anymore. Okay, but like a new faction taking over, I feel like they would. Because it's because especially if we're not doing it now, and let's say this is a few hundred years in the future, sure. they're not going to know about the Pledge of Allegiance, and clearly, why they're, not the book they got is from the government? Because they're trying, they're trying to like wipe America out of the picture. Yeah. So why would they do something that they did? They may not know. I don't think the Pledge of Allegiance is going to like. Sticking people's brains for generations and generations after us. It's like cursive. It's just I do. I'm gonna tell if I ever have kids I'm gonna be I'm gonna tell them I'm gonna be like you I'm like you kids that you have no idea It's like when you tell like younger people now where you're like we used to go to a video store and people are like okay grandma And I'm like I'm not even 30 so Like I'm gonna be like they made us stand up and turn towards the flag and then say the Pledge of Allegiance with our hands over our heart every day like it was North Korea and people are going to be like, that sounds like something the Nazis would do. And I'd be like, it does, doesn't it? Because no one else does that except for North Korea and China. Right. No but, one else does that. But your kids aren't going to tell their grandkids who will tell their... Like, it's not going to keep going. I think it is very, like, indicative of how oppressive of a place it is. Because I think you need that, maybe not that heavy, yeah, but yeah. you need yeah, that contrast. Yeah, but there's contrast. a bunch of other really oppressive things that happen. I think yeah, that's the, the most... School, yeah, In the school, most of the class time is spent with Frida, who is, like, very free very with her there. Yeah. Oh my gosh, this is hard. Frida is very, like, open with all of the assignments they give and yeah. lets them pretty much do whatever they want and is super nice. And that's the teacher you spend the most time with. Yeah. So I think like that stark oppressive thing in contrast to that is pretty I good. think the solution is to add other professors that don't act like that. Keeping that in is just super heavy handed, especially since the whole, the every movie, every story period has a center pole. Um, Watchmen, what happens if the, People you trust to defend you are the ones that are begin attacking you. Who watches the Watchmen? If you have Lord of the Rings, what happens if you have, like, the um, devil is alive and only a human can stop him? You have a, a level of, like, religious sentiment in that. Um, you have Logan. What happens when you get... It's just a story of what happens if you get old. Graduate. What happens when you graduate? The story of this is... Putting someone in someone else's shoes. The whole world right now is the inverse of this. Typically, majority of the planet at this point is binary, either a man or a female. And for someone to come out as non-binary 
is a unique thing that typically does not happen for the vast majority of people. This is the inverse of that. Everyone is non-binary, and now someone is trying to come out as a binary person. And it makes the viewer, or the reader in this case, uncomfortable because it puts you in the shoes of someone you're typically not. It's not a neophyte situation. It's a situation of you being uncomfortable sitting in someone else's shoes. It's like when you have a straight white male watching a, like Moonlight, a movie about a, a black gay person. It makes them uncomfortable because they have no relation to that, but it forces them to accept the reality that they don't normally have. So this is putting people in a situation. Everyone's going to be like, this sounds like nonsense that a person could not come out as binary in a non-binary society. But that's the point. You are viewing it through your own lens, and then you can apply that nonsense thinking to the way it is now. Why is it so difficult for a binary person to come out as non-binary? That's the thing. It's this reflective societal look. And it's super duper in your face as well as wildly subtle at the exact same time. Having something like them do the Pledge of Allegiance to show that it's like some borderline like police state like we basically currently live in is really heavy-handed in a movie filled with subtlety. So then... If you wanted to introduce, like, a different professor teaching something else. You should do, like, four other professors. You should show that there are a litany of other professors that are not like Frida. And then Frida is the one hope. Make it more oppressive and really drive that point home. There's very, very few people left like Frida. There are many professors. And these are the people teaching everyone. So this is really the ground-level moment. There's, like... 36 students in the whole school. Yeah. So I don't know if you could have that. I mean, that's up to you. But yeah. I know. at yeah. one point you said there's there were six tables in the cafeteria yeah. with different age So people. let's say there's four professors. You should throw three of them are like fucking hard-ass. Like okay. really hard-ass. And then Frida's the one. Because she is right. That is a point is that Frida is who you spend most of your time with. But you got to throw in a couple snapes to every McGonagall. Somebody worse than Snape. Snape's ultimately awesome. A good guy. But, but this is not the eighth movie. This um, is the first movie. So Snape's a dickhead in the first movie. Okay. <laughs> so something I thought, if, if we're going with things we thought like maybe didn't fit super well, at one point it said that the revolution happened because of the binary. The binary caused all of the world's problems... Mm -hmm. And so there had to be an uprising. Or at least that's the story. Yeah. Told. Right. So maybe delve into that propaganda a little bit okay. and say like why that is. Because if you're making that person you said is uncomfortable with this. Yeah. That hypothetical person, whatever. I think the vast majority of people that would watch this would fit in that category. Oh, I thought it was great. I don't know. I do too. I thought it was incredible, but... It made me uncomfortable because I'm not a non-binary person. I'm a white male. So it makes me uncomfortable having to view it through that lens. So then for the white guys. Um, white women too. Don't You should you should be uncomfortable. I, about this. I, I didn't feel uncomfortable, but I guess I don't. I don't mean uncomfortable in a bad way, like it's confusing and off-putting. I mean uncomfortable because there is no neophyte and you're thrown in the world. If you go to, if you go to India tomorrow... 
It's going to be very strange to you. It's going to make you uncomfortable. It doesn't mean it's bad. It means mm. it's uncomfortable. I guess I don't actively notice that feeling. Anyway, I think um, the people who will be the most uncomfortable with this need more explanation on that. Or mm -hmm. they're going to be like, oh, this is some bullshit plot device. We're blaming the binary. Got it. Okay. And then, like, I guess maybe that felt a little heavy-handed without more exposition to it. I was going to say that, too. That's a good point. Okay. Because you have something like... Because um, I think what I, I viewed it as was, like... Uh, we say Napoleon is a really short person, but that's British propaganda from the Napoleonic Wars. Napoleon was average height. Um, or Cleopatra being this like incredible beauty. By all accounts, Cleopatra was like very average looking. And it was just because she was a Greek woman in Egypt that yeah. she was like this illustrious foreign beauty. But by all accounts, neither one of those things is true. Or... Um, I'm trying to think, like, Alexander the Great was allegedly, like, seven feet tall, and then, like, literally every written account we have of him, he was, like, 5'9". So, like, he's just, like, an average guy. Um, he's, like, an inch taller than Napoleon. So, but those are propaganda things that, at this point, have permeated the social zeitgeist to the point that they're just fact. Like, everyone thinks Napoleon is your guy. That's a fact. Yeah. But, of course, that's not true. Yeah. So, I think she's right, and then it, it was a little heavy. If you add a little more, and maybe towards the middle or end. Yeah explaining going back and being like this was not true or it is true and this is how it happened um because if everyone just accepts that as fact then it, there has to be a reason for it. it it seems like a piece of information that's like missing the second half of the so piece. so it's like either add more reasons why there was a revolt or just add more probably or both explain on it further either okay. either add more propaganda like making it very obvious yeah. that this is propaganda and is not true, or later on reveal some type of secret as to why the revolution happened because of the binary. Okay. Like 1984, when you're reading or watching that, you know... It's bullshit. It's bullshit. Yeah. Because they say it so often to, like, indoctrinate them. Um, or instead of prof more professors, like, you could spend time in the church, too. Because I know they go to the church when bad things happen, but they never, like, show the family yeah. taking the kids to church, yeah. which you would think if the church is ruling that they would be going would, pretty yeah, I frequently. Was thinking, I was thinking about that, too. Yeah. Do we want to keep going on this, like, on the story part of it, though? Because I feel like we're already delving into the... Yeah, yeah, let's keep going on the story part. Go ahead. Of it. I think, well, the main, the big, like, step into the main plot is when Nim's walking to school. Sibling pushes them. They're they're in like a very like it's almost like a ravine almost, and they fall in to what's called the wastes. They're called the lower wastes, and that's where Nim first discovers the previous world, which had the binary. Okay. That's what inspires Nim to want to be in the binary. Is is what they find there, and it. It's like a, an American women's magazine. Pretty much, yeah. And there was Vogue. Yeah, and there was makeup, which my girlfriend pointed out to me that makeup can't last that long. So I was going to say that. I was like, okay. And so I had an idea. I had a couple, I, an idea to switch that, which was maybe there's like, maybe there's like a, a, like a portal or something that leads somewhere where there's makeup or like you know what you, you know what fix us what's up one line of dialogue or one one not even dialogue 
whatever makeup they're looking at, whatever makeup it is, the tagline or something on the advertisement has to say, like, new magical bullshit makeup that lasts forever. <laughs> That's it. Oh. Well, no. Don't make magical bullshit makeup. Don't make a portal. I like it the way it is, but um, something... Uh, Nim could, like, experiment with, like, food. Food? So they may not have strawberries at this point, but, you know, if they do, like, old, old, old makeup, like, way back... In the day, they used, you know, you pinch your cheeks to make them rosy. Um, okay. Things like that, like natural pigments. Oh. Um, you know, maybe Nim. That's a good idea. Find some. But there's a, there's, again, there's a subtlety to having the beauty be done by makeup. Makeup I is think makeup's important to the story, definitely. Yeah. But I think that actually brings up a good point where yeah. that can also be used. Your magical bullshit makeup wouldn't wash off with just water either, though. Why? Because makeup doesn't wash off with water anymore. So hundreds of years from now, if I got my face wet and my makeup came off, I'm buying dollar store makeup. Like I'm just saying, did, did you ever uh, did you ever see Thank You for Smoking? No, I didn't see that one. It's the scene where the guy the guy is a cigarette uh, agent. Yeah, he's talking, heard of it. He's yeah. talking to somebody and he goes, uh, he goes, I want to sell Sector 7 cigarettes and we're making a movie called Sector 7 and I want the captain to smoke them on the ship. And the cigarette guy goes, wouldn't... Uh, an all-oxygen environment on a spaceship explode with cigarettes, and the the talent agent for the screenwriter goes, who gives a fuck? He goes, we'll throw in one line of dialogue where we'll say, thank God we invented the magical bullshit sphere that allows us to smoke cigarettes on the ship, and that'll fix it. And he was like, is that going to work? And he lists, like, 20 movies where they do that, and you don't even know. It's like Indiana Jones and Star Wars and shit like that, where they're like, thank God we invented the magical bullshit device so we can put lightsabers on the ship. Yeah, but as somebody who wears makeup, mm-hmm. like, yeah. I'm telling you that the well, like, so Nim finds the makeup, puts it, it's lipstick and eyeliner. Yeah. Those are going to be the two hardest things to get off with just water. Um, so if you wanted it to come off with just water, Nim should be doing it with fake makeup, like the rest of us would have. Or since it's a makeup thing, she could find makeup wipes nearby. No, with magical bullshit make, makeup wipes. Or magical bullshit makeup that washes off with water. <laughs> or but magical Nim, bullshit makeup that washes off with water. But Nim wouldn't know how to, like, Nim wouldn't true. know how to put makeup on, so why why wouldn't Nim be like, I can't find any of this stuff, but the jewelry is realistic, the dresses are realistic. Nim could sneak food, which is a limited resource, so it's already, like, a pretty big deal that that's happening. Yeah, I suppose. And, like, try and use that. Or, like, a charcoal pencil from school. That's what you could use for the mm-hmm. eyeliner. Um, but I'm telling you, like, a strawberry or a plum or something with, like, a pigment could be used for the eyeshadow, lipstick, cheeks, everything. Mm-hmm. A lot of people use lipstick for blush anyway and mm-hmm. eyeshadow and stuff. So, like, honestly, you you could play around with it. There could be some different... Things. And, yeah, and I think makeup needs to come in at some point, too. I think that's very important just to me and to the story as well. So maybe just later when Nim's more comfortable putting on permanently or... Yeah, Could whatever. it be something that's in that, like, forbidden room in the church? And maybe that's, yeah, maybe they, idea. like, swipe it when uh, yeah. Omund... Om- Omung. Omung. When Omung isn't looking, 
they're like, yeah. that's a real lipstick, and they grab it because it's little. That's, yeah, that's a, that's a good idea, too, for Because sure. old lipstick, I mean, like, you never really say exactly how long it's been, so it's only been, like, 50 years. Yeah. That old of lipstick actually does last because it's made of a bunch of, like, really bad-for-you things. <laughs> um, or it could be magical bullshit makeup. But why? Why would you purposely, why do you need the magical bullshit makeup? Because it's, again, in Wonder Woman 1984, there's no logical way to explain a magical bullshit rock. She has to get Steve Trevor back. So how do you get Steve Trevor back to ignite the story? Right. The magical bullshit rock. But I just gave Thanos you, Thanos like... has to kill half the universe. How does he do it? I don't know. Six magical bullshit rocks. Well, I, I, I see where you're coming from, too. But, I mean, those are, like, magical bullshit stories as well. There's already a magical bullshit cat, though. Like, why? <laughs> no, but see, actually, the cat is actually something that we tried to do. The magical bullshit cat is just a... It's an idea that we have. It's a realistic bullshit cat. Well, that's what I'm saying, is this movie's realistic. I don't yeah. know if you can do... I wouldn't toss in a magic portal to buy, to grab makeup. Because if, that, if I were Nim, and I could get a portal that could hand me makeup, I would just go through the portal and be done. That's what I was going to... No, was, I was going to have it pay off at the end. That, that, that's... That's when we talk about the end. Is I had an idea for portal, yeah. and they go in the portal at the end. But I, I, I mean, I don't know about that. Oh, terrible idea. I think you're. There, there I'll is... tell you my full idea what the portals when we get finished. To the yeah, end. yeah, yeah. All right. So Nim finds a makeup. At this point, how would you? Nim finds makeup and the cat. Yeah, that's that's very important. Is the cat yeah. comes up a lot now throughout the story. So it, Nim pretty much adopts this cat. Yeah. What were you going to say? I'm sorry. I was going to ask, uh, at, I have two questions now. What's, what a, so in this story, and I'm, I'm not saying this facetiously, I mean this genuinely. Yeah. So in this story, non-binary is just the standard. It's the norm, yes. So, do, are we as the audience expected to assume that the cat is also non-binary? I mean, I guess it'd be considered, you know, we gender our animals now. Yeah. So I guess you would... So it would be a non-binary cat? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. And that was just a personal curiosity. So at this point, are we comfortable saying, at this point in the story, Nim is a she? If, if you'd like. Um, I think Nim really becomes a she when Nim changes their name. Okay, okay. Um, right now, I think Nim's experimenting because... Here's the thing about non-binary. Um, it doesn't just mean no gender. Yeah. Non-binary can also mean... Both. It can mean androgyny as well. Sure. So I think right now Nim's experimenting. Flirting with it. Yeah. But the sure. whole com- the whole world is, is no not, gender. Is no. It's not just non-binary. Yeah. It's no gender. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. I think we're just saying non-binary for ease. Yeah. Yeah. Just right now. So. But I think we need to make that clear yeah, to the people should. listening. So, so the, she is the realistic bullshit cat. The, the radar cat. And... Um, the makeup. The the Geiger counter cat. The Geiger counter cat, yeah. Maybe they could be called Geiger cats. I don't know. Fuck it. And if you... And apparently the cat knows it glows because at some point the cat yells at Nim. Like, hey, hey, look at me. Because Nim is not paying attention. Or maybe it knows when radiation is nearby. Yeah, senses it some other way. I just thought that was cool. I thought that was a nice <laughs> detail. Yeah, like Frodo's sword in Lord of the Rings. Not only does it, not only is it blue when there's orcs. It around. screams at you when there's orcs. <laughs> <laughs> it's, supp- it's supposed to get hot, 
hot enough for you to notice it. So we should stop saying all the things Nova stole from now. <laughs> Peter Jack, I'm going to get a call from Peter Jack or the Tolkien estate. Oi! Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon. fucking cat. Alright, so, yeah. So, Nova's got, Nova's got, Nova, Jesus Christ. Nim's got gear. Yep. Gear. Gear. Yeah. Makeup, cat, time to go. Magazine. Magazine. And that the magazine comes up more. Pick in, up the sword moment. In school. Um, I mean, a lot of... After that, it's it gets slower again. Like, you've got the creative writing class again, where um, the professor wants Nim to create a poem. Um, it's a lot of Nim, like... Figuring out what these thoughts are, yeah. and other people figuring out that Nim is having these thoughts. Yeah, but it's yeah. it is slow, but I think important. It's a slow crescendo. Oh Jesus! I'm sorry. And then, I think the at some point the quote unquote deviant starts to blossom, which is Nim's other sibling, Azuka. At some point, I don't know if it's here, but. Azuka's a bitch. And I, I didn't really intend... Well, so... Where... I have to do this one more time, I'm sorry. No, you no, know no. who else is a bitch? Zuka from Last Airbender. Okay, I'm gonna be... I, I, I might have... <laughs> sorry, I just had to... Well, no, yeah, I might but... have actually put both the names together to make this character. But... Iroh makes Zuko better, so Azuka doesn't Azula. have an Iroh. Azula, is that what it is? That's his sister. That oh yeah, 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 yeah. Zu Azula, yeah. His sister's a bitch. She's nuts. Yeah. She always deserved to have some type um, of women. There's Nim sneaks out, takes the cat, Nim and goes back down the hill. Yeah, Nim keeps going down there. Yeah. And collecting more things. Jewelry and Twirling, twirling around, and oh, at this point they designed the dress too. Yeah, mm, yeah, because Nim asks. So I think yeah, now I think you can tell what I'm pulling from here, Derek. At least you want to take a guess. No, go for it. Joseph, the story oh, of Joseph yes. in Genesis is kind of where I got this from, because and his golden coat. Yeah, because they. Nim makes, has, their parents make this coat. Um, Nim has 11 siblings. There's, um, I don't, you might have caught it. There's a paint that comes up that's with the goat, with the goat on it. Oh my it. god. Okay, Andrew Lloyd Webber, don't come for Nova. <laughs> it's the Bible. I mean, it's, I can do anything I want with it. Um, that's great. I, I, I like that. Um... So I guess they go to the wastes. Um, parents get mad for going to the wastes. Um, and bring Nim to the church. Yeah, they go pray. Like they tell Nim to go pray. Go. There's an altar in the in the house. So I think you're right. I need to probably expand more on what their religion means in the society and it's interesting because they leave a lot of things up to nucleon's will mm -hmm. they're like nucleon will show us the way or there's at one point it says there is no coincidences so everything happens for a reason and i liked that kind of 
like juxtaposition between saying that and then being like, but everything you're doing is wrong and <laughs> you're not to, like it, it. It's hypocrisy. And it's very yeah. reminiscent of how um, non-binary or trans people are treated like now. Yeah. Like everything happens for a reason, but you're wrong. Yeah. So I want to take a quick side here. So we have, I'm going to run through the hero's journey really quick because this is the other part of screenwriting that's like, you, 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 there's no way to not do this. There's no, there's no way for you to not write a story and not have this. It will just happen. So this does not need to be in order. This is typically the way it happens, but all of this will happen whether you want it to or not. And in the end, these things will happen. Maybe not in this specific order, but they will. You have a hero. They exist in the known world. There's a call to adventure. They gain supernatural aid. They meet a threshold guardian. They go into an unknown world. There's another threshold to begin their transformation on their journey. They meet a helper, maybe a mentor. They come into challenges and temptations. Helper might typically die at the end of this. Then they'll be in the abyss. They'll have a death and a rebirth because the original hero's journey, Jesus Christ. Then there's a transformation. They reach some type of atonement. They leave the unknown and return to the way they were at the beginning of the story, but they have something called the gift of the goddess or, or you know, a resurrection in the purest sense and return back to what was known. So the call to adventure, Nim goes outside, Nim gets some makeup and the cat. The cat, I think, is probably at this point the supernatural aid. They meet the threshold guardians and go through challenges and temptations at this point. We're meeting peace, uh, Nucleon, Radeon, um, is, is obviously the cult and everything like that is what they're coming across for challenges and temptations. So we're about to we're about one third to getting into two thirds of the way through this hero's journey and again this is the so what point would you say we're in the second act at this point just about i think we're about at the beginning of it yeah so we're we're ending so let's get to the end of the first let's get to the end of the first act like what you would call the cutoff moment for end of the first act that's probably when nim discovers the magazine and the the, the cat dresses and shit yeah yeah so yeah, that's your, that I would say that's the end. That's the end, which is right where the hero's journey would end. Is around the first act, uh, would begin to go from supernatural aid and assistance into threshold guardian with mentor, helper, and things like that. So now we hit second act. Nim, Nim is running into all, all these problems. Nim like can't keep away from the magazine. Can't keep it's an obsession now. Um, Nim asks parents. Can you make this dress for me? They're like, this isn't practical. Like, it should be. And Nim's like, well, it looks nice. And that kind of throws them for a loop. Um, Nim meets one of the main villains, um, who's among who we got introduced to at the beginning, um, very briefly. Uh, I have a question. Sorry. Okay. No, um, please. At some point, does it, is it established that, like, the black suits they wore were a school uniform? And then are there other clothes, like introduced because it felt very weird because in my head I was picturing them all all wearing black all the time yeah and then there was this gold and I was like would that be legal do you know what I mean I didn't know if that I, would I be allowed in the society yeah and I don't know if it was actually be illegal but maybe frowned upon for sure okay. I think they would all wear the same thing all the time though Maybe at some point Frida's costume should include like a gold shirt or something, you know, yeah. just yeah. to 100%. Just because I was confused. Yeah, no, I I I thought yeah, I agree with that. Um there are a lot of things that I introduced that I I think I need to provide a little more detail on for sure. 
Sorry to interrupt you. Uh, no, no, don't worry about it. Um, Nim talks to River, kind of, kind of becomes like a point of what? What's the word? Like solace to Nim for a, for a minute there. Like they kind of have a relationship for a bit. Um, Nim, I think Nim shows, yeah, Nim shows River the magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, picture of a woman in a vanity in there, don't tell anyone. Um, what? And then Azuka, like, beats it out of River, basically. Pretty much, yeah. Um, goes back to the lower waist, um, using piece of mirror they got names a cat giggles um, then and then they name themselves Lilith okay who you know for getting biblical again yeah Lilith was the first woman yeah um, who was demonized because she didn't want to be subservient to Adam yeah um, and then Eve was created and uh, so then Nim kind of becomes Lilith. It's a little gray area for a little bit there. Um, but then Nim kind of becomes like the woman that she is. Yeah. Um, so at this point I would say we're at the death and rebirth moment because she is yeah. liter literally changing in a revelatory way, which is now officially halfway through the hero's journey, which is about... I feel like halfway through the script. I feel like the death and rebirth moment is a little bit more literal than that, though. Maybe it, it comes up a little more. Than, maybe it comes up more than once then. Like no, I feel because like, there's a re, there's a return at the end that's also a bit of a resurrection moment. Yeah, but there's so like at this point, Nim is like, "I'll be Lilith, but in secret," and then like later, like shortly after this, after everything goes down with Azuka. I, I don't know how far we are into it. But basically, like, Azuka finds out about the magazine, and then... We're, we're there. Yeah. Oh, okay. So Azuka finds out about the magazine, and then... Tells the parents. Yeah, and then, like, it becomes a whole thing. But I think the death and rebirth is later. Like, Azuka later, like, tries to kill Lilith. Now. Well, there's... So there's a revelation, and then a death and rebirth, which is what we're at. And then following that, there's a slow transformation... An eventual atonement, and then a return. I think the transformation is what you're talking about, and maybe a bit of the return. the The death and rebirth revelation moment is like um, in Batman versus Superman, the transformation following. So the the moment the let's just use BVS as, as an example. Superman is not the one that has the Christ resurrection moment. He has the return at the end when the nuke goes off when he's fighting Doomsday and he's literally in the shape of a crucifix in outer space. That's the return. That's the end of the movie to, to normalcy when they fight Doomsday and everything like that, the final battle. The death and rebirth is when Batman realizes he's been wrong the entire first half of the movie, which is why it's placed about halfway through the movie, which is halfway through the hero's journey. Batman realizes he was wrong about Superman. Superman is not, in fact, a bastard. Why did you say that name? Sure. I, I am, I'm understanding, but I'm disagreeing. Yeah. Because I think the transformation could be also later, like in the third act. Um, 
in this particular story. I yeah, think the transformation in, is in, we're not there yet, but sure. when Lilith is in jail. Okay. And maybe we should keep yeah, going. Yeah, let's, let's yeah. keep the rig rolling. So parents find out, um, Nim comes clear, says, um, they call it, they want to be a wife, because in the magazine it says happy wife, happy life. Mm-hmm. And so they don't call it woman, they call it wife. Um, so then the parents are like, oh shit, something, we, we, something uncontrollable is about to happen. Like they're looking at pre-revolution stuff, they're getting radicalized. We're taking them to the church. They go to the church, they go to Omong's office. Um, they, they're kind of like going back and forth. And I think, is it at that point? Let's see. Then Omong takes, uh, Nim to the... Yeah, takes... Forbidden room. To a forbidden room where there's tons of, like, it's called the room of forbidden history in the script. There's, like, tons of shit, like toys, textbooks, um, movies. It specifies yo-yos. There's definitely yo-yos. There's there's yo-yos in this universe, rest assured. And then Omang's pretty much using that to explain that this is a dangerous train of thought because of the social constructs of the binary of male and female and man and woman and how that was weaponized by men and um i think this is when omang tells nim like straight out that nim would be a man yeah yeah if if this binary still existed mm-hmm. so omang's pretty much saying you are not even what you would have been and uses that as the reason Which... to like squash the logic is like do you understand are we done with this now because you can't ever be a woman. Which I think this point would be the revelation in the story. I, I, I mean, I, I agree, I think. Because that's a, that's a genuine twist. Yeah. Is that the entire time you think, I thought Nim was, wasn't, uh, you was know. Biologically yeah, was biologically a woman. And then, of course, she identifies as a woman and I was like, okay. And that just seemed no- normal to me. That they went hand in hand like that, but then the twist that biologically, man, I was like, holy shit. Oh, part of me definitely knew because it didn't make sense to have Nim be a biological female. Why? Because the point is like, yeah, like you're trying to get to a second revolution of like gender freedom, like being able to choose. No, I I agree. I just thought that her being, I thought they were going to, I thought there was going to be a twist at the end where like maybe they were going to have a a small part of me thought that like all the members, all the priests in the cult were going to be male, but that didn't happen. But I, I thought that was going to be a case. I thought there was going to be a few twists that seemed it's a case of, and I don't mean this as a slight, it was a case of so obvious, there's no way it would have been that. Mm-hmm. And then it was that, and I was like, I had thought of everything but that, because it was the one thing where I was like, there's no way. Yeah, I think it's different for everyone. Yeah. I mean, I think everyone's going to think something different. And of course, if I'm showing this on a screen, people are going to make assumptions as well. So, if I get a male actor to play Nim, then people are going to automatically assume that it's a man. Nim is also Nim is also like ten, so yeah, that's true. Scarlett Johansson. Oh, it's the only one you can get to do it. Oh my god! So, <laughs> she hangs around with a bunch of eight-year-olds. Let's yeah. let's take a break. Yeah. Um, and then let's keep going. Okay. So. All right, All we're right. back. So after 
always said, um, three months go by. Um, it's bleak now, to say the least. It seems like Nim has is either hiding it more or has forgotten. Um, reads a poem in class that's very depressing. Um, and when Nim's not dressing up, I imagine Nim is never smiling and very like yeah, it, it, depressed yeah, and you, lonely. Yeah, you. And then I think. Oh, maybe we didn't mention this. Um, there, there are, like, drills that happen oh, that yeah. are kind of like nuclear war drill, nuclear blast drills. Um, it happened earlier after that pledge thing we talked about, like, right after, and that happens now. Um, so in the second one, the janitor who opens and closes the door dies? Yeah, the janitor dies. I didn't feel like there's any significance like what was there's i don't know it just felt like a death and i was confused as to what its purpose served i think maybe the i don't i i mean i don't know i just i don't know if i have a clear answer for you um like i feel like children i don't know I don't know either. I think I, I want to say that like it doesn't make any sense, and that's the point, and say something really cheeky, but I, I really don't know. <laughs> Would the children be like not reactive about it? Is death just a part of their everyday thing, and maybe it shows that? Or I was just trying to figure it out because the janitor just has a heart attack and keels over in front of what we mm. think is about thirty six children. Hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't have a clear answer right now for that. Um like possibly that that people are surrounded by death 24/7 pretty much in this world. Yeah. No thoughts, Derek. <laughs> or Chubbs. I feel like I don't know. It seemed kind of like an unnecessary death. Okay. But I, this leads into one of my my two... I won't say problems. This is a problem, but the other thing's not a problem. Um, this is a nuclear fallout, waste world, post-apocalyptic. Yeah. And, like, there's no, like, great, like, threat or, like, enemy or, like, anybody dying. Like, there's no... Like in Walking Dead, there's the zombies and people die all the time. Yeah. In Game of Thrones, the zombie apocalypse comes in that with the others and everything like that. People die. When you have um, Reign of Fire, there's dragons. People die. Reign of Fire. Uh, Fallout, there's the mutants and other factions. People die. Yeah. Nobody, there's no loving monsters um, have giant insects. People die. Nobody dies in this. There's no, there's no like great threat. Like the the threat is nuclear war, and if one goes off, then everyone just dies. Yeah. And there's no way to have like a nuclear bomb go off and like one or two people dies. That's like why. That's like the most unrealistic thing you could possibly put in there. It's a it's it's a weird writing problem to have. I think not having anyone die is the better way to do. Okay. That. Because the janitor dying would be fine if it was like. And this, you'd require a massive rewrite if you, there was, like, 
they were outside during some type of like school experiment or something like that. Yeah. And then a nuclear bomb goes off. Somebody forgot a nuclear bomb from some computer, some silo somewhere. A nuke just goes off. And then the janitor is out there for protection or something. And then, holy shit, the nuke is going off. And then they all got to run inside the bunker. And he hodors them and throws them in there and locks the door. <laughs> but, like, at that point, then, the, again, the script has to entirely change because nukes have gone off. They can't ever go outside again. I was thinking more like acid rain or something. I mean, yeah, sulfur. Uh, if a nuclear if nuclear fallout happened, we would have sulfuric acid. I get, I, yeah, and I guess the point was what you said. This is a place where no one dies, and then a heart attack just happens. And I don't know. I I guess I just put it in there to put it in there. And I I, I don't think it adds to the story, and I think it actually distracts. Yeah. Okay. I okay. think if you had it, if he died, that would be, it's not the death that's the fault, it's how he dies. Okay. That there has to be like some, be like, by the way, at some point, and I would put it way earlier in the story. It'd be like if nobody ever died in The Walking Dead, and then it, like halfway through season nine, Tom got bit. You'd be like, oh, that's right, I forgot, it was a zombie story. It's, it, it, what's that thing you say? If somebody says, like, I have a stomachache, then they're going to have appendicitis later and die or something. Oh, yeah, the film. TV cough. Oh. If anyone ever coughs on TV, they're going to die it felt from a like, disease. Okay. It kind of felt like that. Like, this janitor died from a heart attack, and, like, that was maybe an indication of something more that was going to happen later, but then nothing ever happened, and I was, like, waiting for it to. Or if you, you... You know what you could do? You could keep the heart attack, but you'd have to put in there some few lines of dialogue or maybe Nim over here, somebody saying... Um, cause it, yeah, then this would illustrate the nuclear fallout point. People need medication. Yeah. I am a bipolar person. If there's nuclear fallout and I run out of bipolar medication, I would probably die in like a week. Okay. So if there's an apocalypse or something, people that need medication, it's just over. Ashley has asthma. If there's no more albuterol, she's just going to have an asthma attack and die. Mm -hmm. So you could be like, I need, uh, I've seen you heave. You, you'd go. Well, I, I know he he's introduced when the first drill happens. Yeah. Really, I could just put a part in where he has a thing of pills or something. Yeah, he's got to run it, and then he's like, oh, I only got three left or something like yeah. that. And then he's out because that's... Uh, did you ever see Better Call Saul? A bit of it. I didn't see all of it. In the, in the first earlier episodes, one of the drug guys that they're dealing with is one of the uh, Mexican drug cartel members, has like a bottle of pills, and he's like... I only have four left, and they're like, go buy more. And he's like, I can't. I'm a wanted criminal in, like, nine countries. And then he runs out of pills, and he dies. It's like episode three or something like that. And it was like, holy shit, yeah, that's a good point. He's a wanted drug criminal. He can't just get more pills. This guy lives in nuclear fallout. The church happened to have a, a hidden cache somewhere of yeah. of medication. That Then that's it. They're, they're gone. He's going to die. I think it can also just, like... I think you could use it as the thing I said with the children, like, not being, mm -hmm. not reacting. Because in today's society, if a janitor keels over in front of you and dies, children are going to scream and cry and run away. Yeah, therapy for the next 40 years. Yeah, <laughs> but maybe in this society, like, the That's janitor true. dies and, you know. Okay, yeah. The kids are just nonplussed. They're like, oh. Yeah, and I think that can go hand in hand with what Derek's saying. Yeah. Um, and that, I mean, I wouldn't take a lot of rewriting honestly I literally could just put in that he has some pills 
Uh, but let's yeah, let's move on a let's little keep bit. moving because now we're at Nim's really depressed, and then parents introduce the duress, I believe. Um, yeah, and Nim gets happier and twirly, and Azuka is like <laughs> staring daggers. Uh, yeah, so Azuka has a meeting with everyone but Nim. With all the kids but him, and is saying pretty much, fuck this guy. Um, let's get him. Let's let's get him. Get him! Um, oh, Did we mention the weapons room shit, in the basement? I was about to say, <laughs> In the yeah. beginning, there's a weapons room in the basement that's probably from the revolution um, that people kind of keep looking into. And now it, the Chekhov's gun kind of goes off. What a weird thing that you're you're one of the few group home parents in the city that's left and you have a whole room full of weapons in your basement. Seems like you're no, an idiot. True. I don't think that's bad writing. I think that's bad parenting. <laughs> I think that's pretty accurate. I know a couple people that their survival kit is like a banana and a handgun. <laughs> so they get a paper clip, they break the lock, um, they get goat paint, red goat paint, um, and then while they're walking to school, this is very Cliff Notes, while they're walking to school, um, they grab Nim, they, and then River, this is like the key, River's the one, um, they... I think Azuka grabs Nim, and then River comes out, takes a pistol out, and then shoots Nim. After Azuka says it has to be River to do it. Yes. Which was just mean, and I think that was on purpose. It, it was, for sure. Um, then they, then don't... they throw Nim in the well. Um, and they go they home. They dip the dress in the paint mm-hmm. that's... The goat, so, you know, yeah. we're going back to Joseph, they dip it in goat's blood. Um, say to the parents, went to the waste, got fucking murked. Um, then they, they bring that coat, that's proof. Um, dress. It's a dress in this the, story. Did I say goat? You said coat. Oh, coat. Yeah. They bring like the Joseph's dress. Joseph's coat. There's a coat, a goat, a dress. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a Guy Ritchie film. And then the crazy cat breeder. Crazy cat breeder. Is getting water from the well. Um, Them's alive. Obviously can't just fucking die. That'd be shitty. Thoughts on that? Like, I feel like that was kind of unrealistic. I thought you guys would have shit to say about that. Do you? No. I no? think okay. it's only... You, you specified that it's only one day. Yeah. I mean, like, Nim would be kind of hungry, but... You can live. Um, I mean, maybe say where Nim got shot, that they looked was, like they were dead. But I was going to say, I if it was a problem, I'd bring up that there was like a thing, like a metal thing in the dress that they shot at. I think it could have just been like a non-lethal area. Okay. You can get shot and not, like, That's it could have grazed Nim's shoulder and their kids and they're stupid and they don't know. Yeah. So. Yeah, they could hear, they could have heard from somewhere that the heart was in the chest and so they just shoot her on the wrong side of the chest. Yeah. 
Yeah. I okay. think you might bleed out at them. But yeah, you you know, I you mean, can get a science of, consultant. Yeah, suspension of disbelief. I wouldn't say the uh, waste is considered non-lethal shot. Yeah, but Nim sat without untreated with an open wound for a full day. So yeah. you have to make sure it's like a graze yeah, or something true. that wouldn't yeah, bleed it out. Could gra- it could graze her, um, not her ankle. What's this part called? Calf. What's this? That's the calf. This? All right, yeah. yeah. So graze her calf. You can you can get shot straight through the calf and you can walk. Yeah, but not the calf because you use that later. Um, with the, the golden a different calf. character gets references. hit in a calf. Um, no, I was going to say, I don't think it's unrealistic, but I wouldn't say the blood was, like, pooling when Nam comes out of the well. Yeah. Yeah. But you said the blood was, like, pooling when Nim got pulled out of the well, Mm. and I think at that point, if Nim was still bleeding, they'd be dead. Yeah, so, yeah, but Breeder finds Nim, and then Nim finally becomes Lilith. And goes on a fucking rampage. (laughs) When Breeder takes Nim back to the house, they kind of have a back and forth. Um, and the breeder's kind of one of those allies from your hero's journey, I feel like, too. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Kind of like the no. old wizened guardian, sort of. Not not in it for super long. Yoda from episode 5. Yoda not in it for so super duper long, but... Just long enough. Mm. Then, yeah, Nim goes on a rampage. Um, Nim... Lilith at this point. Lilith, I'm sorry. Lilith does herself up. um, Jewelry, mascara, makeup. And I think at this point, what you were saying, previously, I think if we changed it, they'd be using natural things. But I think now is when Lilith should start using real makeup. Because now it's like kind of an acceptance thing. I would look into like realistically what makeup can last. Like you might be able to get an eyeshadow to work. Um, but your yeah. your mascaras are not going to. Or yeah, it could be like Derek's and magical bullshit makeup that lasts forever. I don't. Or swipe it from the history room. Yeah. Too. Um, swipe it, hide it somewhere, go get it later. Yeah, stash it in the um, waste. And goes back to their house. Her house. Her house talks to the cat. Um. Storms into the house, and then I think slaps the shit out of Azuka. Yep. Um, and then gets stopped by the parents, though. Yeah. Um, anything so far, or can I keep going? Okay. No, yeah, parents, just keep going. Parents take Lilith to the church. Um, goes to the, they go to the high priest. Um, who is not Omang. Who is not Omang. I feel like Among is like second in command. Right now, I believe that's where I was going. Um, and then they say that oh, and Lilith is Lilith is very Lilith esque and is like fuck you when they ask her questions and stuff. Sorry, I just read it, so I'm yeah, like, no, I know. No, yeah, you're 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 the the all all things the Yargus collection. I'm the expert. The Yargis collection. So yeah, so Lilith is like, fuck you, and so they decide to put her on I trial. I try, yeah, they try Lilith as an adult, I believe. I think that's mentioned. I don't remember if that Maybe was not. said or not. Maybe not. But they hose her down, because she's got all the gook on her face. The um, makeup and stuff. Yeah. 
before she stands trial. Yeah, says fuck, literally says fuck you. Um, they take, she's wearing a baby blue dress and they take it away. Goes to get sentenced to 10 years in, in the dungeons. Um, I thought it said prison, not dungeons, but maybe it was a dungeon. In the dungeons, that's why I have it up right here, that's what it says. Um, brought down to some dank prison, and then meets a prisoner named Jakob. You have to stop. I'm literally what's, not what's, doing what's You have to stop winking at me. You're driving me nuts. <laughs> Thoughts on that is was it too sudden this introduction? To no, okay. I here's my thing. Did you ever read or watch or watch or watch the stand? I started the stand. I started reading the stand when I was way too young to start reading. The All stand. right, I'm I was gonna, like ten. I'm gonna I'm not gonna spoil anything. I yeah, I don't care. But um, so at a at a certain point, the character so there's uh, you know the good people and the bad people. Yeah. Uh, Las Vegas is bad people. Boulder, Colorado is good people. At a certain point, um, the mentor dies, and then they have to send four people into Las Vegas, and they're like, "You have to go." Randall Flagg is the devil. You have to go stop him. So they leave. the The episode always that there's a mini series, and it's yeah. kind of in the book a little bit too but in the miniseries both of them um which i highly recommend watching both of them they're they leave at the end of an episode and the beginning of the next episode is them on trial on the the stand in las vegas being tried by randall flags like flunky in some kangaroo court yeah and it doesn't feel because the show takes its time yeah it takes forever like an hour in that show is literally like an hour. And then out of fucking seemingly nowhere, it jumps ahead like 10 months because they have to walk from Boulder to Las Vegas. Yeah. And it feels like totally natural, but it's not that they left and then they showed up later. It's that they left, showed up, got captured, got the information squeezed from them, and then were brought and put on stance. Like the episode begins midway through a kangaroo court like trial sentencing. And when the when it came out, the person I was watching with was like, "Holy shit! Why did they skip over like the capture and they're not trial?" And I'm like, "Because none of that bullshit matters. Mm-hmm. What matters is that you know you know they were captured. You knew, you always knew they were going to get captured. You always knew it was going to be a bullshit trial. You knew they were going to go to jail. You knew what was going to happen. You need to get to the point where they're in jail because that's the part that becomes unique to that character." This is the same thing. Okay. I, you you knew there was going to be a trial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You knew they were going to lose. You knew it was going to be a, some crazy overt sentence. You knew what all that was going to happen. Blowing through that as fast as... It's important to have it in there, but blowing through it as fast as you can okay. is important. Okay. I think um, you could... When... I think the relationship between Jakob and um, Lilith. Lilith could maybe get like an extra little tiny okay. bit. Just because it's like... Basically, you skip ahead 10 years, right? Yeah. There's about, they meet, and then 10 years later, Lilith gets out. And I think maybe, because Jakob's only in for another five, maybe you could show that five-year mark. Uh Uh-huh. Just, it doesn't have to be long, but just brief. Because it, Lilith has grown quite a bit in that time, in a way that you wouldn't necessarily expect. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
But not too much, because I, I like yeah. it the way it is. So, yeah. So, essentially, Jakob is this wealth of pre-revolution knowledge, and that's why Jakob ended up in prison, and Jakob's kind of a mentor to Lilith at this point. Um, that speaks, like, a million languages. A bunch of languages, and that's one of the reasons. And I... I didn't, it, it was, I wanted to make it a point that Jakob taught Lilith a language, and I did not know what language I wanted. I thought French worked. You think French works? Yeah. Okay, because I, I, I was a little iffy about... Honestly, you know it would be good to Mandarin. Mandarin? If there's a nuclear holocaust, and this is, you know, the end times, it would stand to reason that either English or Chinese would be the last language. Okay. Yeah, but even, not in Even this, in Finland. Not, but... They're not necessarily in Finland. English is gone because it's the language of the oppressor. They that's when Jakob like says this. Yeah, Jakob does. Yeah, but I'm saying if you're going to destroy America or China, then they would they would they would light off all their nukes, which is what I'm assuming. Binary, non-binary. I think that I guess there's some type of war that had to have broken. Now I'm I'm gonna my problem with it wasn't much of a literal problem as it was metaphorical. How? Yeah. Jakob says English is the language of the oppressor, but let me teach you French, which is also a language used by colonizers. Yeah. Was my problem. Well, then there's no language you could possibly. I, I think, suppose. Yeah, and also, like, the French had a big revolution as well. Oh, shit. And, um, and, uh, it's also, like, a romance language, and Lilith has this very romantic view of what it means to be a woman. Mm-hmm. So I think it works. I think symbolically French is the way to go. I think okay. for the realism, I would honestly say Mandarin. Okay. And because this isn't super realistic, French. Okay. So yeah, Lilith, 10 years later, they talk, they literally, their conversations like, what, three minutes? Um, they talk about forbidden lore and languages. Jacob says, I'm going to teach you a language. Fade to black 10 years later. Lil is now speaking French. Um, I think if you had that much time together, he wouldn't say, we're going to have to rush this because I only have five years. Okay. Because five years of like, that's all they're doing all day. That's true. Every day. You could probably learn three languages in that time, but yeah. maybe like French is their favorite. French, Mandarin, English. Not English. Not She's English. not that's teaching a, English on purpose. in the plot. Yeah. But it'd still be kind of cool to teach your oppressor. Teach the language of the oppressor so that way you can tell. I suppose. I would maybe he could say I won't start with that one. You know, number one language that they taught soldiers in World War II? German. So that way they could find out what the Germans were telling each other when we captured them. Maybe they start with French and so that's their like chosen language that's they true. use together. Yeah. But I wouldn't say we only have five years because yeah. um, <laughs> that that yeah. is a good idea. Yeah. Because if you you could do that in a few months, I think. Maybe if you're learning like everyday immersion. But anyway, I mean, yeah, that's yeah. just kind of nitpicky, but any language professor would be like, Pfft. So now I think we're definitely in Act 3. Yeah. Yeah. Like, for sure. And Act 3 might have come a little earlier, even. But essentially, Jakob gets out of prison in five years. They have, like, a plan to meet up, and now they kind of have, like, a group of kind of, like, a gender revolution, almost. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a warehouse where... There's a, there's a bunch of people who act, and they act like Lilith. They maybe have the same experiences. And um, is the warehouse in the wastes? I, I wasn't think, yeah, sure. Yeah, it, it is. I think okay. that's 
It is. It is. I per- I believe it. So is, when yeah. I'm picturing the city, right? Yeah. I just need like a visualization. What I kind of pictured was like a a giant landfill. Basically, they've they've filled in this land, so it's a it's up on a hill above all this like yeah deterioration around them. So they're basically like living on the landfill part, and everything around them is still trash and. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. No. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And then there's this warehouse probably that's abandoned because of the war. Whatever. And then Lilith, I think, becomes kind of the spokesperson for this revolution because they kind of, or she kind of sparked it. She was kind of the catalyst for it. Um, she is their messiah. <laughs> um, we're getting there, honestly. Lilith meets another character, Cleo, who becomes kind of a love interest. Is it Cleo? I thought it was Chloe. Can I ask if it's from 5 to 7? It is. That's where I got it from. It's sure. a Varda film called Cleo from 5 to 7. Okay. I read it as Chloe, but now I will read it as Cleo. Or or Cleo as they... Cleo, yeah. They say it in the movie both ways, but it's the French way of saying it is Cleo. Um, again, I, I, was that too quick, an introduction of a love interest that fast? Or? No, because it's not super relevant, but I it suppose, is important. Yeah. I have one more, because we're, we're talking about screenwriting as a main topic. Did you ever see the first Godfather? I did, yeah. When he goes to Sicily, and he falls in love with Apollonia, uh-huh. and then like 20 minutes later, she blows up in a car. They like honestly, it doesn't fucking. You could have never seen Apollonia's face; it wouldn't have mattered. The point is that he found a par, not like an idyllic paradise in Sicily, and then that was snatched away from him because, as he says in the third one, every time I try and get back out, they pull me back in. And then at the end of the third one, when he's done, when he's holding um, whatever her name is, Sofia Coppola on the steps, and he has like a flashback to all the great loves he's had. There's Diane, like Diane Keaton, his daughter, everything like that. Apollonia is included in that. Because for us, it was a moment, and it yeah. doesn't ultimately matter. It's just in the first one to bring him back from Sicily with yeah. anger and hatred in his heart to take over the family. But the point is that the love was so intense, you're in that honeymoon stage, and then it's taken away from yeah. you. This is the same thing. If you okay. fall deeply in love with somebody, and then you're in the honeymoon stage, it doesn't matter how much time you spend with them. Okay. We, we, all, we all get it. Yeah. Yeah, so they plan a diff- another revolution, pretty much. Um, it starts really getting fast when they they break into Lilith's childhood home and take all the weapons and take all the riot gear. Um, and we can assume... Okay, go ahead. so at one point you're like, the marching is heard, or whatever. There's not a lot of people, so I don't know if you'd hear that's true the marching yeah. unless they're like banging stuff together. Just because if one room is going to outfit this whole group, there's a dozen of them, maybe two dozen, and then the church maybe has a dozen to two dozen people because you did say there aren't a lot of people left. Yeah. Yeah. So they outfit themselves with weapons and... Oops. River comes back, kind of atones. Um, I think... 
Yeah, and then the priests find out that they're got their planning, and then the river kind of brings this information. Um, There's a whole thing. Um, And then it, it kind of the action kind of starts. Yeah. And they head where, to the church. Yeah, they're, there's, rev, there's the revolutionaries coming. Um, the priests are kind of arming what townsfolk are left. Um, they keep marching. Um, and then kind of a fight breaks out. And yeah, the, the main point is they're advancing to the church. And then... Azuka. Azuka. Is a priest now. Is a priest. Amongst the high priests now, Azuka's second in command. Um, they get into the church and then it's kind of like a bloodbath. Um, Jakob dies. Um, this is very cliff notes. I'm scrolling through. No, like, it's fine. River gets up. River gets injured and so um Yeah, Cleo River stays, and stays behind. Lilith leave River behind. They're making their way to the chapel. Where they have machine guns. Um, essentially, there's a whole thing, a whole struggle. They get to the chapel. Um, I know in like the beginning of the movie, there's this door that finally like opens. Um, now, and then this is where you lost me. In the door, there's a nuclear bomb. Mm-hmm. That actually speaks to Lilith in English. Um, it's the tomb of Nucleon. Nucleon's talking to Lilith. Um, essentially, bomb opens, bomb explodes, everyone dies. The ending is Lilith sitting at a vanity doing her makeup and saying everyone's name over and over again. And that's the end. Yeah. Okay. I don't think I'll, I don't, I'm not going to say anything about that yet. I think I want to hear you guys, your guys' thoughts first. I'm going to be, I'm going to shoot you hundred percent straight. I hate the ending. I think it's stupid. Okay. I, I don't, there's no, there, the only types of ending like this that honestly work like that is for like musicals. Like, do you ever see Hedwig and the Angry Range? No. Or La La Land. Did you see that? I didn't see La La Land. Um, Donkey Skin. We just watched that. Uh huh. Like, they're going to get married. It's clearly like Middle Ages. And then out of nowhere, a helicopter just fucking appears and carries down the king and the fairy godmother. And you're like, what the fudge sickle is happening? That. Well, that kind of comes up earlier in the film, too, where you got the phones and the. Yeah, the I, I guess. It's just. It's, it's, it's a weird scene at the end of that movie. That, I think, made a little more sense because it's a, it's a fairy tale yeah, yeah. story and Jacques Demi was out of his goddamn mind. So, um, that's that's fine, I guess. But that kind of ending or like, um, oh my God, uh, what the hell is that terrible Zack Snyder movie? Soccer Punch, did Soccer you see punch. it? I didn't see it. Like, it's a just a typical war revolutionary movie. Yeah. It's, you know, dystopian. And then, like, out of nowhere, they start dancing and have magical bullshit power. Like, literally... Magical bullshit powers when they dance, like, halfway through the movie, and you're like, what's actually happening right now? Okay. It all felt like it could be real until that part. That part, part yeah. Okay. 
and I was I, I was confused, but I thought maybe that was because I'm a lay person who doesn't understand film. But then, like, yeah, I don't know. You yeah, have to it, think about who your audience is, and your audience is. Yeah, mostly that. It felt like a Kaiser Soze moment, like, it, and then not like the whole movie was bullshit, and Kaiser Soze was Kevin Spacey the whole time, and the <laughs> entire story he told was completely made up. And then he just disappears into a cab and then f- fucks off forever. Yeah. This felt a little like that, like she said, where I was like, so this is not, so I was like, then none of this is real or it's Inception. in her head. Kind of. Really know what's, you don't really know what to is think. Is he in a dream? Is he not? Is he a robot? Blade Runner? Yeah. Like yeah, but whole, see, those, those, yeah, those have definitive answers. Yeah. He is not dreaming. Blade Runner, he is a robot. There's things in the movie that make that yeah very obvious. Sure, but that's like what the ending is supposed to make you think about. It's like what if? Yeah, but I'm saying I, this. There's no, there's nothing in the script. Maybe visually there would be. Yeah. But like he uh, like they point out. Sorry, um, weeks ago, Michael Caine never goes into a dream. So Michael yeah, Caine's at true. the end. He is awake. Also, he's wearing his white sweater ring. So he is awake. Uh, Blade Runner, both in the sequel and in the film, they're like if you dream. Uh, did the whole it's based on the story do androids dream of electric sheep yeah yeah um they're like uh replicants don't dream and then they're like except for the newer models might dream that's a whole like rumor and then at the end he keeps having the same dream and that's the problem they're having with the replicants is they keep making them have the same dream and then he leaves a little statue of what his dream is a little origami figure of the dream he's having so you're like oh he's dreaming like it's clearly it's like clearly laid out in the movie sure he's a robot this doesn't have any of that. There's no, like, lead up to... There's no... Oh, I keep having this dream of a unicorn and at the end, nuclear... Or, like, if there was, like, a voice in her head, if she had, like... Yeah, some, yeah. Maybe some type of, like... Is that your main problem, then, that there's a thing that talks? Like, if that... If that it's is, not just that... It, here, okay. here was my thing. If she... If you had led at some point... One of two, two thoughts I had that are similar. Either she talks to herself in her head and she thinks it's peculiar... Because I've always thought that was very strange. I don't talk to myself in my head. Because people who are like, I talk to myself in my head. I'm like, that's just insane, insane to me. Because to me, it makes you think that you're not in control of your own body. That yeah. sounds, it just sounds weird to me. I know literally everyone else on the planet does it. But it's weird to me. And two, um, or if she had, you had made mention of at some point, she hears voices. Or like every now and then she thinks she hears something. And then at the end, she's talking to Radeon. And you're like, maybe either one of two things is possible. Either she's insane and this nuclear weapon is talking to her. Or it's all been real the whole time. Which is a way more ambitious ending. And that's yeah. the way to go with it. Is to be like, you now the audience gets to decide. Has she been insane this entire time? And most of this is in her head. Or she's not insane. Radeon's real. The cult is real. And everything they've said has been real. And she's she is genuinely the outcast. She is the villain. No, and I, I don't know. I think I could just get rid of that ending. I think I think them worshiping, uh, like a not activated atomic bomb makes sense. Like a yeah, that's cool. Bomb. I like yeah. that. That makes sense. Like finding no, no, out think, that Nucleon's a bomb is like oh yeah, I get it. That because yeah, and I think up until that door opens, it's good and then I think I, I I definitely I had a lot of trouble with what was gonna be behind that door 
The warning. bomb is what it should be. I think the bomb is what it should Plus, be. Plus, that way you can have where it'll say warning radiation, but you can have it like scratched up because it's so old where instead it's of saying warning radiation, radiation, it'll say radion. Yeah. Um, but I don't. I don't think it should go off. You don't think it should go off? Okay. I have no problem with it going off, but there has to be some type of like lead into it or something. There can't, she can't just like decide that it has to go off or she wants it to go off or it just goes off. There has to be like some type of like lead in like, um, I know I keep doing this. Did you, did you ever watch Attack on Titan? No. <laughs> All right. At some point towards like halfway through the third season, the main character, the whole point is I'm fighting the Titans like halfway through the third season. Yeah. They're like, I'm going to team up with the Titans. And then you're like, oh my God, the main character is about to become a villain. But then you realize that they're not a villain. It's. Because they're if they can kill this specific group of humans, which is what they're trying to do the entire time, then the Titans will go away. Humanity will be better off without these tyrants and like evil humans, and then everything will be fixed. But you have to become the villain to save everybody. So the path to hell is paved with gold. Is paved with gold, or like Last of Us, where Joel yeah. morally did the incorrect thing, but he did the thing that we would all do. Well, he did the selfish thing. Though. He did the selfish yeah. thing, but I think you would do the thing that most of us would do. Yeah. You kill the doctor, you save your daughter. It doesn't matter that humanity's damned. You kill the doctor, you save your daughter. Wait, if, but what does the bomb going off do? It doesn't... It could kill all the... Because she could be like, I'm tired of all these cultists. This thing is clearly insane. And forcing everyone to be... Which would, which would reflect, again, beautifully on society... Everyone being like right now being like non-binary and trans and all that is nonsense, which is obviously bullshit. But in this, it's the exact same thing, but it's the inverse. You have to be non-binary. That's it. There's no other option. And she could be like, I'm fucking tired of constantly being told I have to be this. I have to be this. I have to be this. It's a cult. They're bad. Everything they're doing is against bad people. When she goes out, at some point, she finds the um, the cat and. Um, the magazine and stuff like that. Maybe there's like, I don't know. Maybe there's maybe there's some like not heavy-handed. Maybe some not so subtle shit like some grass growing off in the distance, and she's like a, an irradiated rabbit and hops away. And she's like, these guys have no they have no idea. The whole rest of the world could be fixed. We're in Finland. They have no idea what South Africa looks like. They have no idea what Russia looks like. That's kind They're, of like twenty eight days later then. Exactly. Like you have no idea what the rest of the world. And this cult is like basically the worst possible scenario of what humanity could become. And she's like... But she's won. She opened... By the time she's opened the door, they've won. Because for them to open the door, they had to have won. She so could not win. It, it could be a last-ditch effort. Opening the door took like 12 people because there's a nuclear bomb behind it. I don't know. I just... It doesn't... Azula could have some magical bullshit tattoo. Azula's or, dead. Or, no, I'm saying like she could have some magical bullshit tattoo or like a key or um, some type of information or something. Maybe she tells them how to get in the door and only need, you only need like a key code or something to try and convince Lilith to rejoin the cult and stop the revolution. And then Nim is like, all right, I'm done. She's like, the only possible solution is just to nuke everybody. It, I think it can go both ways. I don't um, think Lilith would want that. Like, I don't think that's what... Lilith just found a love. Like, I don't know. I think, I think yes, it, it needs to be different, obviously. Like, well, yeah, you... Yeah. Um, excuse you, man. 
Jamie Lannister fell in love in the last season of Game of Thrones, and then he went back to Cersei. I, but he didn't. He okay. didn't destroy the whole world. He killed her. He killed the bad guy. If Lilith sacrificed herself to like get Omung and Azula, that'd be kind of cool. But that would be the equivalent of Jamie. That's not Jamie didn't. No, but she shouldn't. She shouldn't light it off to kill just one person either. It's got. It's got to be for everybody. No, Killing everybody for one person is, it, is not a good. Why does she have to? No. I'm saying if she sacrificed herself to kill Azula and Omung, she doesn't have to light the bomb to do that because that wouldn't work. It would kill everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Why does that have to happen? I think the revolution should... I think the nuke going off is a good idea. I think if Jakob has all this information, he would have told her about nuclear war and how awful it is, and why would she then do it again? I think you're out of your mind. That's what I, I'll I'll tell you. I'm not saying this as a slight. I'm telling you as a as a trained writer. Mm-hmm. Do you in this type of story, either everybody dies or everybody but her dies and she gets away. Now that's an idea I have, and that goes into the portal idea yeah. that I had. Just bear with me. I introduced. I I had this idea. Girlfriend told me, "Hey, makeup doesn't last that long." I'm like, okay, what if there was a portal to, like, I don't know, a makeup store? You can only go in the makeup store. You can't get out. Like, I introduced that very early. There's, maybe there's more. Maybe there's these pockets of weird, like, unreality that appear in the wastes. Yep. Somehow. Um, Lilith explores, um... And this, this kind of just becomes a thing. Are you introduced it early? It becomes kind of recurring. The end, my my idea of how that would turn, how that would benefit the end is, you know, Nuke goes off, but there's a portal that Nim goes through mm-hmm. that has, like, all kind of, like, the splendors of the old world. You know, art, music, makeup. Yeah, and man, like castle shit. She just gorges herself, and that's the end. The, it ends with a very, like, contemplative sort of, she's just fucking going nuts now. She's looking at art. She's watching movies. She's not thinking about what she just went through, and she just fucking killed everyone. It's a little more selfish. That was my idea. I think then you take what was, like, kind of a realistic, post-apocalyptic, yeah. like, beautiful, tragic story, and make it almost like I don't know a portal to a makeup store to me feels comedy-esque mm-hmm. like, yes but yeah. I have thoughts on this yeah as we're cracking my knuckles <clears throat> so there's a precedence for this allow me to illuminate you as quickly as I can so have you ever heard of a tachyon particle yeah tachyon particle moves backwards in time it travels faster than the speed of light Space-time is measured, which is actual time. Measurement that we use as time is not actually time. It's just a measurement we use. A second is... But that's not what space-time is. Time is relative to the person, as Einstein said. So, because the universe is not a perfect circle, time would be relative to each individual person, too. So, uh, tachyon travels faster than the speed of light means it travels backwards in time. Yeah. But as you probably very well know that you can't go backwards in your own timeline you'd have to split off into another timeline yes. because 
your time, you didn't exist twice in your own timeline. So you'd go to another timeline, not ever being able to truly return to this timeline in the first place. Yeah. So, creating the grandfather Violet uh, volatile causality. So, yeah. uh, the only thing that can create a tachyon is a nuclear explosion, which is a splitting of the atom, which really you're not even splitting the atom, you're splitting the neutrinos and entrinos inside of it, which is yeah. creating the nuclear explosion. So, splashing those together, you get tachyons, which is why we measure space-time best in Nagasaki, Hiroshima, Bikini Atoll, Nevada, Russia. That's why we always do in those areas, because that's where we let off nuclear weapons. So time is, certain particles are literally moving backwards in time on this planet in those areas. So you would measure space-time in those areas. If there was nuclear war, almost 100% assuredly, by any modern account of science, if there was total nuclear war, there would definitely be rifts in space-time where yeah. you would literally be able to move actually backwards in time. Yeah. You would probably be ripped apart and die because your particles in this universe would vibrate differently in another universe, so you'd just become a pile of pink goo. Yeah. But there is a 100% scientific precedent sent that if there was nuclear war and they went outside, it wouldn't be some magical bullshit portal, but yeah, yeah, it, you you like probably could just make it a magical bullshit portal because there's already the precedent set that, as you said, there's a suspension of disbelief. Yeah. But it's not entirely unrealistic to assume that there's a way for you to travel backwards in time at this okay. point. So I think the portal thing is not a bad idea. Here's my thinking. Okay. And I'll say this for probably the last time. Did you see the Full Metal Alchemist movie? <sighs> no, I didn't. So, <laughs> there's a Full Metal Alchemist movie at the end of the series. The original series, not Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. The original series ends with Edward and Elric die. But they don't just die. They go to another universe. They go to our universe. And they end up in... The Beer Hall push, pre-World War II, post-World War I in Germany. They The film ends with them stopping Hitler's Beer Hall push and going to fight the World War II Nazis. And they're, they end up in like Poland or something like that. And like the movie ends with like these tanks rolling in. And they're like, all right, it's time to fucking nut up or shut up. So like the film ends with them in our world fighting Nazis, which is nonsense because the entire series and most of the movie deals with this whole other universe and turning gold into air or air into gold and shit like that. So it's this really weird ending. But it honestly fits really well into the whole universe because at no point did they not... Like, at no point are they like, this isn't possible, or even kind of allude to it in little moments. If you have complete nuclear war and they're like... the The thinking of the old world was wrong, but yeah. the science of it was correct. Like, the binary thinking was stupid and broken. Yeah. But the literal science of it is correct. The atoms, hydrogen, elemental table, space-time, all that is Gucci. Yeah. And then it ends with a nuclear explosion going off, killing everyone, and she ends up, Lilith ends up on, like, a plane of grass in Finland yeah. outside of a village. Oh. That would make sense because she would be going back in time. She's presumably in Finland if they're speaking Finnish. And she would be backwards in time in an air that like all of that would be not scientifically sound. Like again, she yeah, should be evaporated in nothing. But if she survived being evaporated into nothing, 
she would go backwards in time. If you were caught in a nuclear explosion and you somehow survived, you would just go backwards in time. So, honestly, I don't think it would be a terrible idea if the nuke went off and she was in a plane of grass and she was outside of a village for two reasons. One, you would leave an M three. One, you would leave an ambiguous. The yeah. audience gets to decide what happened. Which, yeah, I think I should do. And then there would be two. One, she dies and she's in paradise, which is not uh, biblically correct, but does follow Greek mythology almost to a T in that Elysium is a giant plain of grass outside of a giant city that's so far away you can never reach it. So you would still allude to some type of religious material. Mm -hmm. On top of the fact that there's also the literal exception that she would be honestly backwards in time outside of a village in a field of grass in Finland. So you leave it ambiguous for your Inception fans. You'd be able to have it literal for those of us that want the science. You'd have it metaphorical for those of us that want the metaphorical side of things. It would lead into the religious aspects you already have placed throughout the film in like a dozen places. And if, if I'm going to do that, I think I need... Like, we were talking about more professors. I think I need, like, a science professor, too. Yeah. That would introduce this concept or something. You'd have, to, you'd have to have a science professor explain it to you in great depth. Yeah. And then break it down super simply for the audience, like an in Inception or in Interstellar, where they're explaining a wormhole and they fold a piece of paper in half, and everyone in the audience instantly understands this, like, deeply scientific fact. <laughs> okay. Is the point of the film not to, like poke at the construct of gender though like isn't that the point of the film to an extent yeah because that's what it feels like what if this wasn't an issue because that's what it feels like the focus is and that that to me feel the portals and the going back in time and that all of that feels to me like a like a different story like I don't know. It just feels well, like it's... it like it's a really beautiful like queer narrative. And then now with like in a sci-fi setting, but then suddenly it becomes like a muddled queer narrative in a super sci-fi world. And like I think it just is too complex where it doesn't need to be. Like it's a I don't know. I think it's a really nice story. Not nice. Like, I, I really no, enjoyed I... <laughs> it. But I think, like, portals and all of that, like, portals feel like, if, if you're trying to do the portals to get the makeup, that feels like too big of a solution for yeah, a very small problem. When, like, there's other ways to make it work. Um, and also, like, I think it just pulls away. Why can't she just open the door, see the nuke, and, like, wake up in a field and then you don't know if it was your ending or if it's Alice in Wonderland. And maybe she dreamt the whole thing, or maybe she really did follow a rabbit through a portal into nowhere. Like, maybe it's some young trans woman just dreaming about what the world would be like if gender didn't exist at all. Do you know what I mean? Like, maybe it's that, but maybe this also really happened in that whole science thing where they went back in time and she wakes up in this field. Can I throw one more solution? <laughs> this is this is I, I think the ending you have with them going back in time, with the ambiguity of either her dying or, okay, or, her literally going backwards in time is the, the way I would go. 
the way I would personally write it, outside of that, if you were like in the studios, like, no, you can't do it. I would have the revolution. I would have it seem like the revolution's kind of winning. Then it looks like the cult's kind of winning. And then it's the revolution, the cult, the revolution. And you have no idea. Yeah. And she just grabs a backpack, closes the door, and just fucking leaves. Just goes off into the world. Because, again, fuck these guys. Fuck the cult. Yeah. At the beginning, you very much established that, again, she has no friends. And even the friends she makes are not, like, super good friends. Like, it's a necessity more than anything. Yeah. They're necessary evil friends. And... If you had again, if you're if you're a explorer type person, you're you're a, for lack of a better term, you're like a Ponce de Leon or like you're a, curious. a you're a Christopher Columbus, and you're like I know, I know, having everyone be non-binary is the also the wrong solution. You have to be able to choose for yourself, yeah. and nobody's listening to you, and you're like I am a woman, and nobody believes me. Uh huh. Then you would just be like, fuck these people, I'm just leaving. I'm just going. And you would just leave. And that way, you alleviate having a battle. Honestly, you have to, again, you have to think. This is screenwriting. You have to think production-wise on this. You can't just think major story beats. You have to make it as cheap as possible so it's more appealing. You don't have to show the battle that way. It's a Blade Runner 2049 technique. The war's going off. They're fighting the resistance. Where is our main character? With two other people on a set somewhere that probably cost a few thousand dollars. Because you don't need to see the war. You need to see Ryan Gosling saving Harrison Ford. Same thing in this. You don't need to see the battle scene. You care about Lilith. So you just have Lilith just leave. Why would she help any... Even as much as she hates the cult. She still has no friends. Why is she helping anybody? Yes, she does. She has Jacob and Cleo. Why would she... Because they're necessary friends. She wouldn't ever meet these people. And also... She spent five years with Jacob. So did you ever read The Count of Monte Cristo? He spends, what, 15 years in, in a prison cell with that guy? And then that guy turns out to be a piece of shit in the whole way? Wrong. No. But Jacob never, never is a piece of shit. Jacob gathers people together to support Lilith. And then Lilith meets, supposedly, the love of her life. Why would she just Yeah, but why? Away? There has to be something George with Jacob Washington- inside that. What no, no one's, no one's just gonna do that out of randomness. Kind of, even if you have like some Christ-like figure like Lilith, where she's the one that figures out the magical pudding recipe, she's the one who's non-binary. Jacob is still isn't gonna do that. Plus, he has, to, he's been in prison. How is he gathering revolutionaries? Who is he? Why he are people gets, listening to Jacob? Okay, you. I just read it. He gets out five years before she does. Yeah, he has five years to gather people. That's a long time. Yeah, but why are people listening to him? Who is he? A revolutionary. There are other... What Lilith discovers by meeting Jacob is that there's other people out there who agree with her. Yeah. And so he goes and finds those other people. Yes, a minority group of people. They are the minority in this group. From what I gather, they're about half. What? A, you're the writer. Are we talking half or what are we talking about here? Man, I don't know. It's the first draft of the script. <laughs> you're wrong. No, I am not wrong. You no. are wrong. You, Lilith has Cleo and Jacob. If you make two great friends in this life, good for you. Yeah. And Lilith did that. And she's George Washington. George Washington isn't leaving in the middle of the war. That's, that is, that is literally what he did. That's literally what happened. 
He became the leader of the world. Yes, the, he was an after. officer in the British War, and then in the officer in the British Army. So was his father, and then he abandoned it and joined the revolutionaries halfway yeah, through. Lilith isn't an officer; she's the leader of the revolution. Yeah. Why would she leave? She would be the Charles Lee of the story. Charles Lee was supposed to be the general commander of our entire army. Was and that ruined. Why would why would Lilith be Charles Lee? That ruins the whole thing. Lilith is George. No, I'm Washington. saying she would rationally be Charles Lee. Why Why are we following her? If other people think about this, why are we following the person who's in prison already? Here. I don't There's just a lot. I think the story is really sound. You just have to acknowledge the fact that the, I don't think the revolution would win. And I don't think that there's any, like, rational thought process behind her helping these people. She would... I think any normal, rational person, even with two people, would leave. Where were these people when she needed help when she was younger, when she was in school, when people were being mean? And why is it taking all of a sudden now? Why is this the moment the revolution has to take place? Why is 1776 the moment the American Revolution had to take place? Because that's when the Stamp Act took place. Okay. It, Lilith is the catalyst. Why did... Why can't Yaakov be the revolutionary and be the catalyst before this? This all makes sense, but the revolution has to lose. There's, there's too much. You're saying no. This I'm, is like a I'm Rogue One level like leaving. revolution. Lilith doesn't leave. Lilith isn't gonna leave because that person remembers how it felt to be a kid in that situation. Yeah. And wants to help so that other kids don't have to be in that situation, whether the revolution wins or not. Lilith isn't going to leave. I I agree, but I'm saying the revolution can't win and her, she stays. The revolution has to lose and she lights off the nuke, or she just leaves the revolution and just leaves. Well, don't do that. That sucks. If that <sighs> happened, I would never oh, watch goodness. that movie again. So? That's terrible ending. Think of, think, think, you like Lord of the Rings. Think of the end of that movie. Middle Earth is destroyed. Hobbiton is destroyed. The great kingdoms of Middle-earth are destroyed. There's still hundreds of thousands of orcs. There's the people from the east that are attacking. There's really nothing to celebrate at the end of that movie. At all. They destroyed one guy and created 50 more problems for themselves. Same thing with Looper. Looper ends with that guy, with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, killing himself because he realizes something. No matter how much he fights the Rainmaker, he has to exist. Humanity can only exist if there's something to rally around. So what would this person do who's clearly got a higher level of intellect than everyone else in this world? She would just nuke them. There is no world in which this cult exists. Not to mention you the fact... You would just nuke them. You were, But she would also have to come to the realization that, let's say the revolution wins, and then you have the everyone-gets-to-choose aspect. That's what allegedly created the nuclear holocaust in the first place. So if, she's just, if the revolution wins, you get rid of all the cult leaders. Then you're back to the people that created the nuclear war that caused the entire movie in the first place. She's, they all, they all got to die. They all have to die. There's no one worth saving. You're not even arguing the same point anymore. I know that. I'm saying the ending should be she goes into that, opens it up. It's a nuclear Keep your weapon. Ending. And Keep she it exactly just as it no, is. <laughs> no, the ending is something that I had the most trouble with, and this is literally why. Yeah. Because we're having this argument right now. It's so difficult to end a story like this. Yeah, but what's what are the top five most memorable endings you can think of? I mean, I think of, I do think of Inception. I think of 
Well, now that you've asked me that, I literally can't think of fucking anything. So you um, think of Inception. Um, let me ask you: Would you put Would you put Endgame in there? No. Really? <laughs> no, I did not like Endgame at all. No, I didn't like Endgame either, but I thought the ending was fine, where everyone just kind of fucks off and does their own thing, and there's a funeral. I don't no, really I, I didn't remember think, the I didn't ending. Like so the the problem with that ending. I like the ending to Infinity War. Oh yeah, I I was just, a good I'm one. sorry. That's what I mean. Um, uh, that too. That's another good. Um, the problem with in uh, Endgame that everyone has is that Steve comes back. There's no way for Steve to come back. Uh huh. There. That's that's absolute. I get that he had to come back for like fan service bullshit, but like literally, he would not be able to come back. As an old, where he's the old. Man. Yeah, when he's the old man, he goes in the shield. Also, the Peggy he stayed with was not the Peggy he knew. That was a Peggy. From yeah. That, what? So. <laughs> That, but that's my point, is you have Inception, ending to that ambiguous. Would you put 2001 Space Odyssey in there? Oh, yeah, probably. That's a, that's a great point. Ambiguous ending where you're not quite sure what's I happening. definitely think I need to be ambiguous about it. It's yeah. just how I be ambiguous about it that I had the problem with. I think you need to ask, like, transgender people what they would think. of Like, have a group of transgender people read your story. Also have a group of screenwriters read it. Yeah. Just because, like, he's a straight, white, cis man. Not straight, sorry. White, cis man. That's cool, I guess. Didn't mean to say straight. I just meant white, cis man. Sexual orientation has nothing to do with it. White, cis man, white, cis woman. We're not going to give you the perfect ending. Yeah. Yeah. She is here as a layperson, and I am here as a semi-professional writer. But you also need, like... Yeah. Like that demographic to tell you like what they would do if they were Lilith. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, and I, I am in the process of becoming a trans woman, um, and I think I need to definitely reach out to people and ask what their experience is and what they think. I don't think I I disagree. I don't think it's entirely necessary. A hundred percent. I think you should. Yeah, it's not. And the on the story as a whole. The ending is something entirely different. There are story beats in here, especially the trans story beats, yeah. that definitely should be looked at by a group of trans people, and honestly, some more cis people too, to see. Because there's if you, if you were like, it's like when they make a World War Two movie, yeah. and then they're like, "What if the Nazis won?" And you're like, "Everyone in America is a Nazi." I'm like, I disagree. There's like people would fight back. They would. Yeah. Maybe they would still win. And maybe people turn, but not everybody. It wouldn't be some global... I think you would have... I think you should have a bunch of more people look at this that are cis and a bunch of people look at this as trans. The ending, when you start dealing with a nuclear weapon yeah. and morality, the only person that needs to write that is you. You don't need to have anybody yeah, else look at that. Yeah, I mean... It's your morality, and you're a reflection of every character in this. So you need to be the one that's, to write the I know. ending. I think... I know that... It, Everything else is subjective. The ending needs to be something you have to write. I know at the end of the day, it's really my decision. But I think... I mean, it's good to hear from other people. I mean, you... I think it's good that you two have very different opinions on it because then it brings more to the table that I could do. But yeah, in the end, it's definitely... It has to be me. And it's... That's what's so daunting about it. And that's why I kind of rushed the ending because I was like, I literally have no idea what to do with this. You know what? I'll, I'll say this. I think the ending you have, and the one we talked, where the one I talked about, where she lights off the nuke, either goes back in time or she's dead. You get to pick. 
the audience gets a pick. I think that's the I think that's the ticket. But I'll tell you what another not so terrible ending would be. Okay. It's not a it's not a copy, but it's pretty goddamn close. Blade Runner twenty forty nine, where she did, she's helping out with the revolution. Yeah. And some random Spartacus ending. Some random person shoots her, mm-hmm. and then she just bleeds out, and like she watches the revolution win, but she's bleeding out. It doesn't matter at that point if she dies. The 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 revolution has succeeded. Mm-hmm. She did what if she really if you're really gonna lean into the revolution being a success thing, then it doesn't matter. Because again, somebody somebody the story has to end. Yeah. The nuke has to go out. There's no sequel to this. This is not getting a sequel. This has <laughs> this has got the nuke doesn't have to go off. Everything he said up until that point on this <laughs> ending, I agree with. No, 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 I'm no saying, that was the best one he's had so far. I'm saying the nuke has to go off. So no. She has to die. No, shut up, Ashley. She has okay. to die. Jesus. She has to die. That's There's no... Whether she lets the nuke off and goes back in time or dies and the audience picks, or she goes off into the waste and presumably to the audience she is dead because she'll probably die on the waste more than likely. You have a Snowpiercer ending where, like, literally they get off the train, but they're going to die. Mm-hmm. Like, to the, so to the audience, they die just off screen weeks later, months later. Or this, where she died. Like, Lilith is dying at the end of this. I think it would make more sense, especially since radiation and nuclear waste and having a nuclear bomb literally say radion as the thing they worship mm-hmm. ties the entire thing together in a nice little bow. Like her meeting a nuclear bomb that is literally the god she is meeting. Also, it adds a level of something. People constantly use religion in our society to justify being a dickhead to gay people and trans people. So you're literally using God to destroy those people because that's the God they worship and it becomes their own undoing, which is very reflexive of society we have. People are like, it says in the Bible, if a man should lay with another man, they should be stoned to death. And it's like, Okay, there's like 50 other things in the same like chapter of this Bible that talk about that like, talk about like you can own a slave as long as you don't beat him to death. You can hit a woman as long as um, they're your pro- as you're married to them and their property. I'm like, if we're gonna start if we're gonna start treating this like trail mix and pulling out the same parts. Yeah, and then there's there's arguments of how that was a mistranslation, but that's no, but that's what I'm saying is people are using that as an yeah. argument and it's like then their own undoing is the own book they're using. Yeah. If they're going to use religion as a way to be like you have to be non-binary or God is radion and then she meets a nuclear weapon that has like warning radiation faded off and it says radion and that's their own undoing because they're so friggin' dumb they can't see it. That's a nice tight symbolic bow tied on top of it. If she just gets shot then Radion and Nucleon could be called Tom and Jerry. It doesn't matter. It, th- then there's no point to having those specific names. But gods Jerry. don't matter. Like, they don't. I know. That's what I'm saying. The god, they're worshipping a false idol, which this is rife with religious amplification. He keeps talking, uh, sorry, they keep talking about how much the, you know, the Bible has influenced large swaths of this. Yeah. The golden calf is like, other than Moses... Probably the biggest part, which is part of the story of Moses, yeah. like the coming down from Mount Sinai, Mount Sinai, is like the most iconic part of the Bible to anyone who's religious is the golden calf. They're worshiping a false, literally worshiping a false idol. Just so it's on here twice, though, 
the thing about her randomly dying but watching them win, I like it a lot. <laughs> I don't know about that one. Oh, I just mean, that, no, I'm not saying you have to do that one. I'm saying of all the things he'd said, it's the only one that I'm like, yeah, I could see it. I don't. But it just loses some. That that's a fine ending, well, but it loses all it's, major it's, symbol uh, symbolism. It's another kill your gaze ending that I don't want to fall into the trap. You know. I know. Yeah, but the oh. other, but this this would be like the gay is dying, but all <laughs> the other gays are winning. Like they're not all I suppose, dying. I suppose. Um, I don't think the nuclear bomb would go off in a post in a post nuclear world. Maybe there isn't a bomb in there, like. I, I like that there is, but I don't think it would go off because they would make sure there'd be some scientists who had survived who would make sure that that was never going to go off because they already live in that world. It could just be a bomb that fell and never went off and then she like hits it with a hammer really like let's let's say she gets shot or something like that mm-hmm. and the re- the revolution is losing. And she's trying to flee. The revolution is losing. And she's trying to get outside. And she gets shot. And she's bleeding to death. And then she finds her way in there. And they're, like, trying to find safety from losing against the cult. And the cult tracking down. Twelve people open this door. She gets in there. She's bleeding to death. And she finds a bomb that landed that was supposed to go off. And she just starts wailing on this thing with a hammer. With her last dying breath, she finally gets it good enough. Goes off. But it landed on the ground, and they managed to transport it into a room and build a church. No, they, you would it. you would have to write where they built around it. Yeah, where like you would have to be outside, and they build a church around it, yeah, like yeah. Uh, like following New Dawn or something. It'd have to be like in a fucking ditch or something, and it's just there or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It it's so hard. <laughs> I just think like a nice. Uh, gender, what's the word? Diverse focus group. Yeah. Would be. Yeah. Like, yeah. You probably have to reach beyond our small little town to get yeah. the right people. There's 100,000 people in this town. Yeah, well, you it's probably like have to reach. the top 6% for population in the entire country. Yeah, well. Like, <laughs> I was thinking about, like, diversity-wise. You should probably go a little That is true. It's a lot, yeah, of, lot of white street folks in this town. Yeah. Big town, but a lot of white street that's folks. Kind of, that's kind of the route I was going by calling us a small town. I don't know if you... It's just, it's just really frightening putting myself out there, definitely. Well, if you need people, let me know. I could... Okay. You could, you could also just pull out... Don't put out the whole script. Just pull out the parts, the trans parts, and uh-huh. ask people, what do you think of this? Yeah. It's like when they adapt a novel or something like that, they always get people that read the book and like know it really well and are very passionate. And yeah. then when the studio pays for it, they focus group it, but they only focus group like the three big parts. So like with Harry Potter, they're like, uh, you know, the, when, when he's a baby, yeah. Voldemort on the back of the head and then something else. And they're like, is this what you envisioned in your head? And they're, people will be like, yes or no. And then that way they're like, all right, cool. If we do Harry Potter, the only three things we have to nail are the dog... Him as a baby in the crib and Voldemort on the back of the head. Yeah. You could also, like, print it out and have somebody else hand it to somebody for you. Like, you don't have to, like, yeah. sit ten people down at a table. Yeah, I I, I, I have friends who'd be, be happy to read things if I yeah. asked them to for and you. And then it's, I mean, it's knowing who you're getting criticism from. That's a 
that's a big thing. Yeah. Um, because you can get shit criticism just as much as you can write something shit. Um, we learned about that in creative writing class where you should definitely know yeah. who, like, it should be a writer. You need to focus more on not how they would write something, but what they're confused by. Yeah. So, I, I think you guys are right. I need to focus test this. and so, Because it's like, it's like, it's like 80% personal, I think, to me. 80% personal, I just need to work on that 20% of society shit, you know, like. And we're shitting on your ending, but like, up I'm until the, on my own ending. Up until the up ending, until it the was end, super good. I, I think, I, really I, I agree, it. I need, I rushed the ending, I need to change it. I also think the ending is shit. And so, we have, I want to do two things, because this is about screenwriting. So we're going to do two things, and I think they're going to help you. Okay. One, in one or two sentences, pitch me the first act. The first act? It's introduction to a world where gender doesn't exist. Okay. Um, character is on the precipice of discovering gender. Pretty okay. much his first act. Now second act, you want me to second yep. act? Second act is they get comfortable... With that, um, they get more comfortable. They start to be outspoken and then get kind of, what is it? Get, yeah, yeah. yeah. They get um, shot down and they, in a way, forget about it, but no. Third act is it kind of, it comes back and it becomes a problem. And then that sparks a revolution is pretty much how I okay. sum up the third act. Do you know the moments in the script that you're... Yeah. That would break them up? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because that would be... That's what... Uh, yeah, the finding the dress and the makeup yeah. or whatever it ends up being. And um, the cat. Definitely yeah. end of first act. Yeah. Walking back from doing that is fade out, fade in, second act. Yeah. Um. And then I second the third. So these are the twelve steps. This is this is a proper way to write. I've always said, when you write a villain, either your screen time for them needs to be sixty percent hero, forty percent villain, okay. or ninety nine percent hero, one percent villain. Because if you're not going to put in the time to make your villain just as interesting as your hero, then there's no point in having a villain doing that. Bane is Bane is not interesting. Who gives a shit? The Joker and Ra's al Ghul are the two interesting yeah. villains in that trilogy. Because you spend just as much time with them as you do Batman. Yeah. No one gives a shit about Zod and Superman. But you care a lot about Batman in that movie, who's definitely the villain. Mm-hmm. Zack Snyder cut, you care a lot about Steppenwolf because you spend a lot of time with him. Yeah. In the Whedon cut, you, nobody gives a shit. Okay. So, um, these are the 12 questions you gotta uh, answer. First one... Introduction to Ordinary World. You do that in the cold pre-cut. Yeah. You establish the world done beautifully. Two, what's the call to adventure? What's the moment that's the call to adventure? One or two sentences. It's when they get pushed down into the wastes. Three, what's the refusal of the call initially? Refusal of the call. That's a tough one, actually. 
Because I, I think this might be out of order then because yep. that comes later. Yeah, it doesn't, need, yeah. it doesn't need to be in order. It's just... Okay, okay. The, the so I come, that comes later when they get outed and then kind of forget. Okay. Three months go by. They... All right, meeting the mentor. The lead mentor. The Obi-Wan Kenobi, then the, the Yoda. It's not the breeder. I don't think it's the... I think it's Yakov. It's in yeah. the prison. Crossing the... Th- so this is... So all of those... Typically take place in that order, ordinary world, call to adventure, refusal to call, meeting the mentor. They typically take place in the ordinary world that's established, the world as they normally perceive it, the day to day life. Okay. What it, now, the fifth one is crossing the threshold. What is the event that makes them go from the ordinary world to the insane world, That the unique part of the story that they want to become? I feel part like of. that's when they. It's. I think it's a little bit when they go to the wastes and a little bit when they go to prison. I think it's in two spaces. All you don't think it's when they start to discover that they don't have to just be non-binary? Maybe it is. Maybe it's just that. I think. What is the question again? They're crossing the threat. The moment when when the world goes from the ordinary world they've known their entire lives up to that point into a different type of viewpoint, and the world is not what they imagined it was. I feel like it could almost be when. Their siblings try to murder them. What's the first one that happens out of the three we just listed? The first is they get pushed down to the waist. They discover the magazine. And is that I, when they dis- is that the first time in the story that they discover they don't have to be non-binary? It's it's definitely it's like the catalyst of that. And maybe it's when they start getting obsessed and keep going back though. That That's a difficult one. It's yeah, I think it's one of those two. Yeah. I think it's that or or the the murder. Um That's definitely when stuff starts to pick up. The test, the allies, and the enemies. So basically the they start meeting the people that are in their way and then they start throwing things at him. And Aragon is when, you know, he leaves the farm and then these guys start attacking him. Lord of the Rings, it honestly doesn't take place until the end of the first movie when they get attacked by the yeah. Rukai on top of the hill. Yeah. And then Frodo leaves them. That's the first genuine test allies enemies moment. Boromir's an enemy, Aragorn's a true ally. The enemies have arrived. I think it's what I think that's the murder moment almost. Yeah. I think you that's test it. your allies and your enemies? You don't have to, but you can. I think the be... trial I think is, it's really is kind I think of that too. These rules are really nuanced and we talked about how you break rules as much as you make them as well. Yeah. Um, also, Jakob showing up. After five years of yeah. not seeing each other, Jakob yeah. shows up. Yeah. So approach to the innermost cave. That's the Luke battling himself. Uh, Ray accepting herself as a Jedi instead of a Sith. I think that's after when Nim survives the murder and then accepts that they're Lilith. Yeah, I would say the moment she becomes Lilith. Yeah, that's the innermost cave. All right, the great ordeal. The great, the great. Uh, Obi Wan Kenobi dies in Episode Five. Luke loses to Vader in Episode Five or Episode Four. That's prison. That, that. That's the prison. Prison. It's thrown in prison. All right, nine. The reward for having gone through the ordeal. Gets out of prison. Starts training for a revolution. Realizes there's a possibility yeah. that we can yeah. change things. Ten, the road. I think nine is realizing that there's a, a, a different world they could make together. Yeah. Ten is called the road back. So obviously you have to travel. The starting the revolution, building the revolution. Yeah. Jakob kind of does this for her. A little bit. But it's still part of the story that that she's a part of. Eleven, resurrection. She's no longer the person she was at the beginning of the story. Uh, 
yeah, she's she's Lilith now, and she's also that leader figure. She's the messianic figure now. I think the I think the reason is her accepting the mantle of. Does she ever like hesitantly take the mantle? A little bit. She, I think Jakob introduced her as a leader, and she's like, "What the hell are you talking about? I've been in prison this entire time," and it and she kind of struggles with that a little bit. It's not very touched upon. I think you're, uh, yeah, I think I'm sorry. I think the approach to the innermost cave is the moment she becomes Lilith. Uh-huh. And then resurrection is her accepting her place. Because approach to the innermost cave, you learn something about yourself, but you're still fundamentally the person you were at the ordinary world part, step one. Yeah. Resurrection, you're no, you are no longer Jesus of Nazareth. You are now son of God. Yeah. It's kind of like the purple dress into the, like, you're the leader now. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. All right, 12, return with the elixir. You have ended the story. You're back where you started, but everything is different now. It's an, or the new, the special world you saw and the ordinary world at the beginning have now come together to create a new ordinary world. This is the world you're going to live in. Well, that's what we just had a half-hour yeah. argument about. <laughs> yeah, the return with the elixir moment. The, so the return with the elixir moment is the revolution pops off. This is it. This is return with the elixir. Batman gets inside the hovercraft. And he flies off into the sunset when the nuke goes off. Yeah. Um, you have, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, Return of the Le- Le- they destroy the ring, Sam and Frodo go home. Yeah. It's the it's the end of the last fight, and then you've gone home learning something. Which, yeah, this seems to be the biggest point of contention. You yeah. know what I just realized? What? The ending I described to you is very, very similar to the end of The Dark Knight Rises. That nuke goes off. There's two ways to interpret him being in France. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Either he's literally there and Batman swam 12 miles and dodged radiation poison. I mean, the dude went from the Middle East to Gotham in like 10 minutes, so... So either he's literally in Paris or Alfred can no longer contend with the fact that every employer he's ever had has died and he's just imagining a better world for Bruce. Okay. Others literally there. So you still have to figure out question. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And you know what? You know what the best movie in that whole trilogy was? Fucking Dark Knight Rises, alright? Ooh, that, that's a that's a the controversial takes we no, like. Yeah, I'm kidding. That's, no, that's not true. Rachel. It goes, it goes uh, Batman Begins, then Dark Knight Rises, then Dark Knight. Okay. So yeah, you have a pseudo-complete hero's journey. Just that this last is step. This the last part. This is the last part. Figure out. But it's good. I know. Yeah, stuff one through ending, eleven are really good. An ending can ruin something, though, right? Like an ending ruined Revenant, the movie Revenant. No, I I agree with you for not. I, you, what you are saying is one hundred percent correct. For me, I've never given a shit about the ending. Oh really? But, okay. Like I like um, an ending can only make a movie better for me. But if a movie like ends like the Revenant does, I'm like okay. Then in my head, I'm like, uh, then he got up and went back to his family. I don't fucking know. It doesn't matter. The, as long as the hero's journey is complete to me, mm-hmm. then the story is over. Mm-hmm. His hero's journey was to get that motherfucker and kill him for killing his son. He returned to where he was at the beginning. Angry, but learned something. I don't I don't care that he stared off into the distance into the camera like a dickhead for two minutes. An ending can definitely ruin a movie. But yeah, you are you are right. For the other 99.9999% yeah. of the world, yes. It's happened to so many things. We talk about Game of Thrones. It happened to Lost. It happened to... Fucking tons of shit. Other than the literal last episode, The Office. Yeah. Yeah. I think, though, like you said, this is your first draft, and 
you told the people listening that maybe in 10 years <laughs> they won't want to listen to this for the spoilers. So you've got a uh, few years to figure it That's out. Some time. That's enough time for Lilith to learn three languages. I would definitely like go back and change all those nitpicky things and maybe yeah. the ending will come to you. That's you true. You know, like iron out I was thinking details. also writing, just writing all the endings that you guys are saying and yeah. seeing which one works. What's the best. Yeah. And just write any ending you can come up with. Write it with the portals. Write it with the magical bullshit makeup. You know, just like try yeah. different things. But I think like the bones and the basic meat of the story I is there. Yeah. It needs the brain. You got your ramen, you got your shiitake mushrooms. Now toss in the tofu and get some spices. Okay. I really enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. Jesus I, I saw it. <laughs> solid eight and a half right now. I think with the fixes and everything like that, bumps up really close to a nine nine. Yeah. Nothing is ever a ten. Yeah. But I think get some other like queer yeah, voices yeah. to read some of it just to make sure you're getting the identity part. Yeah. Like, it felt really good to me, but you never know. It's also really personal, too, so who knows? Not saying I shouldn't get other voices in on it, but yeah. Yeah. Every Everything is different to every person. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. All right. That was 110 pages. We used your script. We described how script writing works. Three, four, or five act structure, hero's journey. We went over your story. We went over what did and didn't work. Um, yeah. I think I have to come back and we'll tear it for a screenwriting part two and we'll tear apart one of his scripts just to make you no, on equal uh, footing. <laughs> no, no. I, I... <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get Nova and like Olivia or something out of here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, think we, we, I mean, Ashley can come on too. Yeah, but not for one of mine. Why not? I, I because you fight? no, because you and Olivia are trained screenwriters. There's a difference between what's popular and what's not. The biggest, the biggest problem she's having is again, you you're not, you have to screenwrite like this is being made. Period. Yeah. Pretend as if it's being made. You can't have all these big budget, fancy explosion bullshit. Imagine well, you have a smaller also, script or smaller also, budget script. I get what you're saying. I agree. But also, there's a point where you should write like you're not going to fail. And, that, that it, and I think that works, too. I think that does, too. But yeah. you have something like uh, Peter Jackson. Uh, you If you have like a Peter Jackson-style guy where yeah. like he made Lord of the Rings and then he could make King Kong. And it didn't matter if it made money or didn't. It was a Peter Jackson movie and they were happy to have it under yeah, the yeah. belt. But it still took him like 15 other movies for him to get to Lord of the Rings. Yeah, Lord yeah. of the Rings was the first thing he pitched. Which is a lot of thing a lot of people don't know. He wrote that in college, oh. and then started pitching it to people, and nobody was like, "I'm going to buy the rights to this and make this with you because this is insane." Yeah. So if you make smaller movies, you're going to be able to make that cash. Yeah, you can just write whatever the fuck it is you want. It doesn't matter. I think I heard that they wanted Hubert to do yeah. Lord of the Rings, and he said no. The so Beatles were originally going to do it, but even they right. didn't have enough money. Yeah, and he said, Kubrick said it was unfilmable. Yeah. Which Turns out he was fucking wrong. Yeah, but if Stanley Kubrick is saying something's unfilmable, people are going to say, oh shit, this is definitely unfilmable. But even the, like, Stanley Kubrick, they didn't give, they wouldn't let him make AI um, artificial intelligence because they, he, they were like, you, when we give you giant massive budgets, you don't make super great decisions. Mm -hmm. And you kind of just piss away a lot of the money on this fluff 
that nobody other than other filmmakers cares about. The lay audience doesn't give a shit about the, like, one speck of color in the corner. Nobody gives a shit about that other than, like, some other insane filmmaker. So when he passed away and they gave it to Steven Spielberg, they're like, the literal godfather of blockbusters. Yeah. You, if we give you $200 million, you're going to use every cent of it and we're going to see it exactly on screen. Same thing with the Wachowskis with The Matrix. You got to make something before you can make something. Yeah. This is really strong. Honestly, I don't see why this can be made for 10 or 15 million, which sounds like a ludicrous amount of money to us. Yeah. Mere mortals. But <laughs> if you go if you go to Netflix and you're like, hey, I have a banger of a script. I could make it for 15. I could really make it for eight. And they give you like seven and a half and you get a really banger producer. Honestly, I see no reason why this isn't entirely possible. The script oh, is yeah. that strong. Yeah. And for $7 million, you could knock this. Honestly, you need a warehouse, a couple of green screen, and like one or two big-name actors. Yeah. Boom, you're done. You start making this thing, you knock it out, and then, yeah, you can start making other things. But it's got to be marketable. It's got to be production. And that's why I'm not saying this will never get a sequel to be like a dick. It'll be very critically received. No, I don't want to have a sequel But in this country, most of the people that are going to watch this are going to be... Uh, you've uh, split 50-50. of the people are going to watch it and understand what it is. And the other 50% are going to be these ludicrous gun-toning monsters that just are going to think the entire thing is some Satan propaganda film. And then you're not going to be able to... Netflix is not going to produce a second one of these. But they'll give you money for another movie in general. I think I, I was... I don't know if you would agree, but I think maybe the biggest hurdle I'd run into is the language aspect of it. Because yeah. it's in a totally different language than English, I think. And but, a producer would look at it and be like, no, this is going to be in English. I think if you gave... I honestly think if you gave it to anybody other than Netflix, you would run into that problem. If you gave this to Netflix and you were like, it's got to be so? finished, I think they wouldn't give shit. Well, they made Roma. Uh, they, made, oh. they made Roma. Um, oh, my God. What was the TV show? It's like the biggest TV show on Netflix. Money Heist. Oh. Money Heist is entirely in Spanish. It's produced by an American company... And it has Spanish actors and Spanish producers and Spanish directors, but it's made by an American company. And the guy was like, I'm Spanish. I wrote this in Spanish. This is a Spanish story. Okay. It has to be in Spanish. And Netflix was like, okay. And now they're on like the third season and it's literally like the most watched TV show on there. Okay. So if you gave it to them, you'd be fine. I think you should learn Finnish, but also have a Finnish person to like help you finesse the dialogue. Yeah. No, yeah. Words are right. going to translate over hundred percent. Yeah. No, I, I, I know that. Yeah. Just slap it into Google Translate. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Dunk it. No, I mean, I, that's why I was so happy Duolingo has Spanish. Not Spanish. has Finnish now. Um, yeah. But I can't use that as my sole thing, but yeah. it's a start. Yeah. If, you, if it's about horses or apples, though, Duolingo will help you write that script. <laughs> <laughs> Cheval. It's a start, though. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, that's it. We're coming in at hour two, and a half, two and a half hours. Shit. But that's what it, that's what it took, and we three people. So obviously there was more to it. Otherwise, it probably would have taken probably closer to two. But could you imagine if we had three for the Snyder Cut? Oh my god! It'd be like a five-hour episode. Just like the movie. Do Just we, like the movie. We have so much more to talk we need, about. We need to release the Nubs cut of the, Nubs episode three. I'm, <laughs> tell, I'm telling you right now, we should, at some point in the far, maybe a year from now, if this is still going, that 
definitely come back to Snyder Cut. Snyder Cut Part 2, we both rewatch it. Rewatch I'm, I'm, it. I fuck with it. I'm about it. An anniversary episode, always the Snyder Cut. Oh, that'd be great. There there was this other movie podcast that every anniversary they did Pixels. Oh my like god. They, they were like a shit video game movie podcast. They did Pixels every year. That sounds horrific. Oh I'd yeah. I'd love to be a part of it. Yeah. They had to watch it again every year. All right. It's time for the way we always end well, it. We need to let Ashley say something. Yeah. Something? No. Uh, she's going to say a lot more than that. It's pick of the week. Oh, yeah, pick of the week. It's pick of the week. Shit. All right. It's pick of the week. Uh, let me let me, let me me rifle through. Give me, give me like one minute. Uh, somebody vamp with some. Oh, I just have to like pick my movie of the week. Yeah, what's your what's your pick you would give to the audience? What's something you would actually genuinely recommend? Last the last one we just did the like little bonus episode thing. I said Mortal Kombat, just because it's if you've ever watched Mortal Kombat, played Mortal Kombat, it's fun. But otherwise, fuck off. And Nova said Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. The entire extended the twelve hour extended cut. Um, I can't think that far through my week, so I'm gonna say Finding Nemo because we talked about Finding Nemo. And because I have to watch Finding Dory for a final, and I think Finding Nemo is inherently better, so I'm not going to recommend Finding oh, Dory. Oh, you know what? Is that Jim Campion who directed the no. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you something, honestly. Um, While well, we full-time... Uh, so, Ellen Generous, not super great right now. People kind of hate her fucking guts. I think rightfully so. I've always kind of not liked her. But there's all this shit about her being, like, horrific and, like, her, like, letting her producers sexually abuse... I don't know about that. ...cast I, members. I can't say anything about that. Oh, yeah. It sounds like she's just done now. Like, she's just done in Hollywood. It came out that she was being mean to her producer... Her and her producers were being mean to everybody. Like, you couldn't look her in the eye. You did chew gum to go in her off, stuff like that. Interesting, because she's been on my ads all day. Yeah, but I'm saying... Whatever I think I've she's, been watching... Just, just Google Ellen. You'll see. That's fine. She's let it like her producers are being charged with what? like sexual assault. Where is this going? Are they're you... being. Do you think if they make if they make a third one, which it sounds like Pixar wants to, does it have Dory? And if it does, is it Ellen DeGeneres? I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if it will, but if it does, it has to be. There's nobody else who can be Dory. Would you want her to be in it? Hmm. I think you could think make a third kinda, one without her. It's kind of like Amber Heard in Aquaman. You I know, think it's you. Kind of that controversy. I think you yeah. can just write Dory out. I, w- I think yeah. it'd be better. I don't to think just... there needs to be a third one. Yeah, I, I didn't don't... think there needed to be a fourth Toy Story either, but here we are. Yeah. Uh, Still don't think there should well, be a fourth what's, Toy Story. What's your pick of the week, Terry? I'm not. Di- I know. I know, I'm just saying you were, you kind of came to me kind of hard. You were like, oh, I've seen ads of her all day. Well, I'm like, well, there's no, like... No, I'm just saying, I, no, think she's, no, I, I think she's on a new project. She's been on my phone, like, all day popping up on Oh, I know, for sure. YouTube I, but I think there, there's a thing right now to have Eric Andre replace her on the Ellen DeGeneres show. Would it still be called Ellen? But it would be called, yeah, it would be called The Ellen Show. What? Or Ellen, or whatever it's called. And they would keep that name, and it would just be Eric Andre... And the petition is actually gaining, like, legitimate traction from actual people that run the show. Okay. It's fucking, dude, if Eric Andre ran that show, I would never need a genie's lamp again. That would be it. That'd be, all my wishes would be great. Okay, okay. What's your pick of the week? Um, Let's hear it. It's a little controversial. The Ellen Show. <laughs> no, <laughs> no um, uh, Bicycle Thief. I just watched Bicycle oh. Thief with my buddy uh, from 
from another land, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna see who who the directed directed this because it's important to me. Bicycle thief. Yeah, so so this is from 1948. This is like one of the all-time great movies. It's available yeah, yeah. on HBO Max. It's also on the Criterion Collection. Vittorio De Sica is the director. This is like, it's 98% Rotten Tomatoes. This movie is freaking awesome. I won't even, I'm not even going to tell you anything about it. Just go watch The Bicycle Thief. Give it a shot. It's so good. You said Finding Dory. Finding Nemo. Nemo. Oh, and since we're doing that, Finding Nemo can be found on Disney Plus. Yeah, we're just about to say, found on Disney Plus. Or 123movies.com. Finding Nemo (laughs) from 2003. It's available on Disney Plus, or you can watch it uh, on any streaming services for a premium cost. Got a 10 out of 10 in my brain. Its director is Andrew Stanton, and it is 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is higher reviewed than Bicycle Thief. Like the third most influential movie of all time. Not, not as much as Paddington 2. Not as much as Paddington 2. Who's the layperson now? 99%. Oh, yeah. That's Rotten Tomatoes. Come on. But... Pick the best Pick the best movie. All right. What you got? Wait. All wait. Right. Wait. My tachyons. They're going back. Wait, I set a nuke off 20 years in the future. Womanhood is my Womanhood is the movie of the year. My, Let my me check the... Movie. Oh, my God. It is 101% on Rotten Tomatoes. We just checked the dimension... Chrome. My boy Rick hooked me up with uh, <laughs> with a dimensional thing. We do time travel now. Yeah, we just looked at future Google. That's the only thing that ex- that survived. And apparently, it was released as Womanhood in the Rest of the World, but in America, it was released as Radion. <laughs> <laughs> and it looks like it has an, an, a theatrical cut where the ending was very well where well received, where a nuke went off and she either went back in time or died. Anyway. Yeah. I that's it. Alright. That's nubs. That's nubs. Shit. I'm your host, Nubs. <laughs> I, am, I am all of us. No, I'm your host, Chubbs. I'm Nova. And then special guest Ashley. Who can say her name? I'm I'm Ashley. Yeah, so that's Ashley. Okay. Bye.